tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Recorded live. Hi, thanks again, everybody, for coming. Thanks for coming, Eric. I haven't seen her from you in ages. And um, Law Fan was here, but he said he couldn't stay long. He's taking the family out tonight. So we've got a few guests. Thank you for coming. And Colin and Vincent, yeah, you've got some stories to, to share with us. Thanks so much. Keeps the show alive. And I know you don't have hi. much time, Vincent, so I'll let you play. Well, hi, everyone. Um, you know, I've been listening to this show now for at least, uh, I'd say, about two months uh, religiously. Uh, and if I can't listen to it live, I, I spend the time to listen to the recording. And these shows are pretty long, four hours. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of great information here. And uh, what attracted me to your show is because, uh, you know, last year, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I live in Canada, but I also live in the United States. I have dual, uh, you know, uh, not citizen, but uh, I've got a green card so I can travel back and forth between Canada and the United States. So last year I got a a speeding ticket uh, in Montreal, and um, <clears throat> and basically I, I got pulled over for speeding, and uh, so I handed over my Florida driver's license because I was driving my Florida vehicle in, in Quebec, in Montreal, and so we, I was chatting with the police officer, and uh, so he asked me if I was visiting. I said, well, I am visiting right now, but I live here as well. So he asked me if I had a Quebec driver's license, and I said, yes, I do. So I handed that over to him, and uh, he came back to me and said, well, you know, it's illegal to have two driver's licenses. I said, well, no, I, I, I didn't know that. I go, I go, but I'm required to have a, a Florida driver's license for my vehicle. So uh, anyway, to make a long story short, he gave me a ticket for speeding on my Quebec driver's license, and he also gave me a, a ticket for having two driver's licenses. Uh, obviously, so, uh, you know, this, uh, between both t- tickets, uh, it's costing me $1,000. So obviously, you know, I decided to uh, contest it, and I'm, I'm going to be fighting it. And, uh, you know, I've been listening to uh, several, you know, uh, individuals out in the chat rooms and forums and you know, everyone's talking about, well, you know, when you walk into court, uh, say you're a man, you're a man. And as much as I want to say that, it's not a proven fact that it can, it can win any, any tickets in the court. So, and I've read other and listened to other people saying that you have to understand how the, the codes operate for you to uh, actually uh, challenge them in court. And, uh, and I came across your talk show and I listened to Colin for uh, about now, like I said, two months. And uh, he, he had made some valid, um, some valid points about uh, jurisdiction, uh, basically stating to us that the codes only regulate certain activities on the road. So he, he mentioned a lot about the uh, Virginia Code. And so what I decided to do is uh, go, le- go read the actual code uh, from Quebec, uh, and that's Chapter 24.2. Uh, and, you know, in, in the first 
section of the code that says that they regulate uh, transportations of properties and goods. It's written right there in line number one. <laughs> then they define then they, they define the type of vehicles that are subject to their jurisdiction. So they put a bus, a taxi, a snowmobile, a snowmobile, a trailer, a farmer. And they also classified a person, and they say, you know, uh, for this particular section, a person is also classified as uh, a partnership. And so I continue reading the entire code, and it's pretty well vague. I mean, there's nothing else. It doesn't define what person is except for that one line. But section number one, paragraph one, it says that they regulate uh, licenses and permits for transportations of property and goods. So, uh, you know, before listening to Colin, I hired a lawyer, right? Like an, any traffic uh, lawyer. Uh, and, uh, you know, they came back to me and say, well, you know, it's, a, it's a, an offense and, uh, uh, you know, we're going to have to go to court and fight this and see how we can win or maybe get your sentences reduced. So uh, when I ha when I submitted all this information to uh, the lawyer, he he thought I was crazy, and he's saying, you know, he goes, I don't understand you guys. Why, where do you come up with this stuff? And I said, well, I go look. If you look at my ticket, it says I'm being uh, given a citation under Section 94, which is governed under Chapter 24.2. I go, and if I read the code, it tells you right there, Section Paragraph One, that they can only regulate transportations of goods and and property. So obviously, you know, the lawyer, you know, they're there to make a buck, right? That's their goal. And uh, the only thing my lawyer was trying to tell me is that, well, if you want to represent you in court, it's going to cost you $600. I said, well, if I have to pay you $600, I go, where am I saving here? I go, between both tickets, it's costing me about 900 I go, so now i got to pay an extra $600 for you to represent me, and you can't even get, you know, guarantee that we can win this case. I go, it's going to end up costing me $1,500 to fight this. They go, well, he tells me, well, that's why people don't usually fight this and they pay the ticket. I said, well, you're, you're no help to me. I go, as a matter of fact, I go, I don't like your attitude. I'm going to report you to the bar. And let me tell you, he changed his attitude right away when I told him that, that I would report him to the bar. Right away, he says, well, I'm on your side and I'm, and I'm, on, your, I'm on your side. I said, well, if you're on my side, your job is to read the code and you tell me if I'm right or wrong on this. So he's going to get back to me because he doesn't even know the code himself. So that just proves my point that these guys don't know what they're doing. They're just there to make a quick buck, and that's it. So uh, talking with Colin, we had a, I, I got to meet Colin two weeks ago. He invited me over to his, his place. We, we spent a weekend together, right, if you remember. Yeah. And uh, we, did, we did a lot of talking. And basically, let me, let, let, let me share this with you. It's important that we read. The, we have to read. We've we got to read. I mean, you know, I listen to Colin, I listen to a lot of other people out there, and everyone, you know, pretty well says a lot of great things. But you learn the most when you read and ask questions. So, you know, and I have no problem reading something that I'm interested in. I, I'm very dedicated to it. Uh, so over the weekend, I've been spending a lot of time reading. And, again, if you look at the code, sometimes they are very vague on how they explain things, right? Because you're trying to find the proper definition. So for, for myself in Quebec, I decided to go read the actual civil code of Quebec, right, and where they define what a person is. And it's amazing, in paragraph number one, they talk about human beings, 
And then slowly, slowly, the word human being and man is no longer there and everything becomes a, about a person. And it says in the code that they assign a name to you based on your uh, birth, uh, birth certificate. It, it's, it's written in the code itself. And they assign it by a surname and a name. So if you look at your driver's license or any other government uh, paperwork that you receive, it always starts off with your surname and then your given name. So they do this backwards. And it's written in the code itself, okay? And the code is very long. So I kept on reading and reading. And, you know, then they slowly, uh, they slowly transfer into how the person becomes a corporation. It's written right in the code itself. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, it's a very lengthy code. I spent about eight hours over the weekend reading it. And as I was going through the code, I came under a section called transportation, transportation in the Civil Code of Quebec. And it says that this governs all transportation. I go, well, well, well. I go, what do you know? So I start reading the code, and everything in the code talks about commercial of transportation everything is about commercial so in essence they they know that they cannot govern a man they can only govern a transportation now going into the civil code of quebec they slowly bring they start off by a human being and then they slowly create and assign a name and then they bring that name into a corporation and that corporation is governed by everything in that act. And that's how they get us. You see, this is how they're getting all of us. So we have to, you know, we sort of have to pretty well make that claim that we are not that corporation or that name entity. And, and this is where I'm at right now. And because I've listened to Colin for the last, you know, like I said, eight weeks, I've learned so much about how these codes actually operate and how it doesn't really apply to us but at the same time if you challenge it in court they can pretty well you know try to confuse you so you answer incorrectly and you know they can still find you guilty because remember we're just learning the code ourselves okay mm-hmm. and that's why i have a lawyer to help me out here that's the only reason why i have a lawyer now it's, it's no longer to represent me in court but that lawyer is there to help point out to me how I can use the code to defend myself. So when I do go into court to uh, argue the facts, that lawyer will be able to tell me which sections I should be looking into and what I should be bringing, bringing about in court. But uh, whatever Collins has been saying about the jurisdictions and what it regulates, he is absolutely right. Because not only did I get a ticket in Quebec, but I also got a speeding ticket in New York <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. So I decided to read the code in New York, and it's the same darn code. I mean, I mean, it's the same thing. They all follow the same method. They just word it differently, but it's all it all follows the same thing. We started to read about what highway is, uh, what what a person is, and you know what a tra- traffic what traffic is. I mean, it's just amazing what's in that code and how it doesn't really apply to you. Okay, so. Colin asked me to come here this evening to share with everyone uh, about whatever I, what I discovered on my own, and he is absolutely right. Uh, I've, I've read it in two different codes, and it's there. So now it's just a question 
of every person or individual to sit down and figure out how we should be detailing this out when it's time to challenge them uh, when, you know, when that day comes to represent ourselves in courts because uh, everything is there. It's, it's, it's black and white 100%. And everything that we do with our vehicle is, is regulated for commercial purposes only. They cannot regulate a man. So that's pretty much it in a nutshell, uh, Sonia. Well, thank you. That's that's so positive. What, what a positive story, Vincent. Thank you so much and all that you've learned. And uh, um, what a thrill it must have been to, to go and hang out with Colin for the weekend. I can imagine you guys probably talked uh, more than a couple, a couple of old hens, eh? <laughs> Oh, um, we did, and, and, and uh, I mean, you know, many, and not only that, but I mean, we're on the phone constantly every day, literally, you know, uh, pointing out, finding lots of information that can help each other out and help the, the, the group in general, okay? Yeah. So, uh, basically, I mean, look, it, it boils down to this. You really have to read, and you may not understand, but the fact is that someone like Colin took the time to explain to us what the definitions are. So when reading the code myself, it just made it a lot, a lot easier to identify what specific words mean. Because in the past, I would say, well, a person can do this and a person cannot do this or a person does this. And obviously, you know, to myself with my vocabulary skills, a person, well, I am a person. Yeah. So yes, I, I did speed. Yes, I, were you speeding? Yes, I was speeding, right? So you're guilty. Okay, I wasn't doing 60 and a 60. I was doing 65 and a 60. Uh, they clocked me for 70, but you were still speeding. So, in other words, when we go to court right now, when I go to court, I'm not going to be talking about my speeding ticket. I'm going to be talking about what what this ticket actually regulates. You see, this is a different story. I mean, it, this is a different approach altogether because now I'm putting them on notice that, uh, you know, I understand how to communicate with you. And I'm not going to be talking about my speeding ticket, whether I was speeding or not. I'm going to be talking about, do you have the right to regulate me for my own personal use of the, of the highway? Because it is a public highway. It's written right there, public highway for public use. And the only thing they can regulate is for commercial purposes, because that's why they have speed limits. They have those speed, lim speed limits for those that do conduct business and earn a living using the highway that's freely given to man on this planet. Mm -hmm. So hi, Vincent. Hi. I think I think everyone already knows all this info. And Sonia, let me, right? me out, <laughs> meet me out. If I'm being a retard right now, uh, and Colin, I have no clue um, where you're heading with this, but I think everyone already knows this info. Yeah, well, I like to, I like to hear it. Um, if well, you don't mind. You like okay. I know you know it, but I didn't know it. And my the, my the whole reason why I'm here tonight is to to share with you what it's done for me. So, in other words, I'm no longer afraid to stand up in front of a judge and challenge the judge. If he asks me a question, I'll be able to I'll be able to ask him a question and wait for him to answer my question. And basically, not the other way around. So for for myself, I never knew all of this stuff until I heard Colin, and it's just a, an eye opener that whatever everyone else has been saying is true—that we do 
have rights on, in this country. We just have to know how to exercise them. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's what it is. And not be afraid. Okay? Correct. I said correct. And I know Sonia wants to hear more because you're in the same road, probably the same location as she is. Oh, yeah. Canada. It doesn't matter. But the, the, well, the laws in the United States and Canada are, are identical yeah. because I'm talking exactly. with both countries. They're identical. Exactly. I mean, just a, a several wording may change back and forth, but they both follow the same concept. It makes no difference. It makes no difference. And, and that's why I love this is because uh, reading one code in one country and reading it in a different country, I can relate to it right now and make sense of it. And the beauty about this is that now I can question them instead of huh? just, you know, you know, instead of just getting That's, on my knees you and know say, what, well, I'm Vincent? sorry, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what, Vincent? It's, it's yeah. And not to interrupt you, but the whole thing of it is, is when they question you, you question them back. Exactly. Yes. Well, you see, because they all they do is keep on questioning you on the uh, on, the on the, you know, the law that, on yeah on the speeding ticket that they keep on talking. Were you speeding? Were you speeding? And obviously they get you cornered. They corner you right there. You say, well, yeah. If you well, allow no, that, yes. Yeah. Yes, right? if you allow so, it. If you exactly well, the majority of the people that go there don't understand. Well, at least well, uh, they don't understand what these codes are. Correct. Uh, sit down and actually take the time to read. And that, this is why I'm here tonight, because I finally decided to sit down and read all this stuff and not just take Colin's word or any, anybody else's word. I mean, everything that I hear in this talk show or others all makes sense. But when you read it for yourself, it's just amazing how it's an eye-opener. And, uh, well, that's, that's why I'm here tonight. I just want to be a witness to everybody that, yeah, we got to read this stuff, and if we're not sure what it means, then it's our job and duty to find the definitions because somewhere in these codes they define what these words mean, and that's what how we will be able to use it, you know, against them. Well, I wouldn't want to say it is against them, but at least to answer, you know, answer their questions in, in the event that they try to challenge us. You know, we, we know where they're coming from. Well, Vincent, I, I, I appreciate it because um, I, I I know that Cheyenne, some people just don't like listening to, to, to traffic and tickets and stuff like this. I do because I'm going to start planning on traveling. So I want to know everything I can know. Um, <clears throat> traveling. Sonia, that's traveling. actually incorrect. Pardon me? It's, that's actually incorrect. Oh, right. I just remember before you said you, you were so sick of tra- traffic tickets and this and that. So... But I just want you to know why I appreciate it, because t- what what I appreciate about Vincent coming here and telling us this is how far he has grown uh, by learning the codes, because I know um, some say, you know, Freeman on the land, oh, you don't have to know the codes or anything. You just go in as a man and say, oh, who's the injured party, uh, and throw it out of court. But it's not that easy if you can't walk in like Carl Lentz or Rob Menard or some of the other ones. So um, I remember Robert Menard, I just, uh, like I said, listened to one of his shows uh, just today. And he said, how many people in the audience have a driver's license? And a bunch of people put their hands up. And he says, okay, I want you, the ones that, I'm going to ask you a question, and you can put your hand down. He says, how many people have read the Vehicle Code Act? 
before getting your driver's license, and not very many people have. And he's so you don't even know, you know, what you can or can't be doing, or whether you should you should have to have a license or not, sort of thing. So that is important. Reading the codes, I believe. You know, I really appreciate learning from Colin because, um, you know, like I said, when I listened to Robert Menard today. I heard so much of Carl in him, and I know Carl's scooted around and got a lot of his information from these other men and women too, you know, and uh, because these guys have been around, you know, longer than Carl Carl has been been teaching. So, um, and and they're they're telling us, you know, yeah, you got to know, you got to know these codes and stuff like that because you got to know what you what you're what you're up against. And you got to know. I, um, I just spoke to Carl today. And Sonia, I just want I just want to say this: uh, in the codes, they they keep on repeating over and over, operator and driver, operator and driver. And you notice that whenever you get pulled over, they always call, they always say driver, driver, driver. Well, if you do, if you look at the definition of operator and driver, it's all under commercial purposes. So you have an operator that operates a vehicle for business and then the driver that drives the vehicle for commercial purposes. Correct, so not when, for hire. Yeah, so when you say, are you a driver, you say, no, I'm not a driver because I'm not conducting any business. So the fact that knowing this information, I, well, at least for myself, I, you know, if someone asks me, are you driving your car? I go, well, of course I'm driving my car. What else would I be doing? But now I understand that driver, driver or operator are two different things. It, it, it has everything to do with, Commercial, commercial. Correct. Now, for anyone that lives in Quebec, I'm not sure how it is in Ontario, but Quebec is governed by the civil uh, civil code. Okay, that's the, the the law of Quebec. And you know, so if everything is governed by that code, and there's a section, and I found it, so it's section 2000 in the civil code of Quebec. I mean, I went all the way down to 2000 because I was reading and reading, and there's a big section called Transportation Act. And everything is governed by this act, and I read it. Nothing, there's nothing about a man going from point A to point B. It's all about transportation of property and goods, property and goods. And there's also a section in there, believe it or not, that it says if you are using your vehicle, okay, during business hours, but you are not charging for that, you know, charging for that service, then it doesn't apply to you, you see? So they, they put it in such a way that they're telling you that it doesn't apply for you to you if you're not charging for your services on the road. <laughs> so for me, it was a big, you know, it was a big dis- discovery, which I never, ever knew before, never. So thank you, Colin. For me, what he's done for me is that he forced, well, you know, I, the fact that I want to go read the code but the way he explained it just made it a lot, a lot easier for me to sit down and read the course because it can get confusing when you're reading like pages and pages of this stuff. So that's my story, guys. Thank you for giving me the chance to express it. Well, thank you very much, Vincent. Thank you. Thank you for sharing with us. It's, that's uplifting. Yes. Yes. Thank, thank you. you. And I, I also beaded many a traffic tickets and parking tickets just on that fact. I'm not for hire. Right. And it took me like maybe four times, three times. And then they they took the fine off. Speeding tickets 
parking tickets are so easy to beat. I'm sure that once you do it several times, it, it is it is easy to beat. I agree with you, right? So the thing here is this for, for myself, that I, I know that everything we do in on this planet is based on rules and regulations, based on a corporation. Or codes, correct. They're codes, codes, correct. So yes. until we don't make any notice to anyone saying that, hey, we're not part of this code, they're going to continue to regulate you under that code, and you're subject to income tax, you're subject to this, and you're subject to this, and et cetera, et cetera, until we finally say, no, 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 we're not part of this. You know, you can't regulate me. But until we don't do that, well, then, you know, we're, we are subjects to the government agencies, and uh, they can do whatever the code says for them to do. They have the power to regulate us based on those codes. Can I ask you so, one question, Vincent? Sure. Um, I'm not quite sure. What What is the difference between an operator and a driver? Or is uh, there an a operator... An operator is so. Let's say, for example, you're uh, a taxi uh, taxi service. So you you operate a taxi service. So as an operator, you have a license that you are you have the the right or the the, the licenses to be an operator to drive um, to to have a taxi service. Okay, so that's an operator. So an operator license to have a limousine service. Then you hire drivers to drive your limousines, your cars. That's the difference. So an operator is like an owner of the business that has the license to operate that particular business, and then the drivers are the drivers that drive the vehicles for the commercial uh, purposes. Thank you. And none, none of them are those. I mean, yeah, you can you can conduct a, biz, a private business. So when you buy a car, you when you buy a vehicle, you can register it under your company, right, a company name. So the company name is the operator. Right, and then you are the driver for your company driving the vehicle on behalf of the company. So that's the difference between both. Well, and thank you. Everything you read, yeah, everything you read in the code is about operator and driver, operator and driver. And I was going, well, what the heck is operator? So we look for the, we look, we look at the definition, and it's right there. Operator and driver is for commercial purposes. Amazing. Thank you. I just... Oh, and one more thing. In the United States, Title 18, uh, Code 31, they define motor vehicle. So if anyone, uh, you probably already know this, but for those that don't, go look at it yourself. You'll see Title 18, Section 31 of the, the United States Code. They, they define what motor vehicle is, and you'll see it's written right there. Motor vehicle is a vehicle for transportation for commercial purposes. <laughs> so when you read the codes, in your state or province, they always say motor vehicle, motor vehicle, motor vehicle. And that motor vehicle is defined under the federal uh, laws of your country. And when they write motor vehicle, it has to relate to the federal, well, you know, in, in, in this case in the United States, it's a motor vehicle. If they don't define it in the state uh, laws themselves, then it's automatically defined from the federal code, which is uh, Title 18. Uh, section 31. So when I read motor vehicle and it, it was written, motor vehicle is defined as a commercial vehicle for transportation of property and goods. And then I go into the New York code 
And every time you read the word motor, motor vehicle, if they don't define what a motor vehicle is in their own codes, it, by default, it falls under Title 18, Section 31. So when you read motor vehicle, motor vehicle, motor vehicle, automatically it has to be for compensation for hire, basically. That's what it is. And now we can challenge them on this because, you know, you're, you're educated and you know this information where before, if you, if you don't know this stuff, you just take it for granted. Yeah, well, it's a motor vehicle. It's a, it's a car, right? Yeah. And uh, they know that you don't know, and they, that's how they nail you. So, anyways, for myself, it's a, it's, you know, it's a great experience, and I want to share it with everybody that I, I'm, I am awakened, <laughs> awakened to this, and this is just my starting point. Now, anything else that comes, uh, you know, at me, I'll be able to understand that it's being regulated by something, and it's my job and duty to find out how it's being regulated so in the event that they try to harm me, right, to, you know, take money from me or whatever that is, I'll be able to find in the codes where I can have my own protections and challenge them back and make sure that they're not violating their own codes because we know that there's a lot of, of these government agencies that violate their own codes because they know that we don't even know them ourselves. So, so it's, a, it's a great experience and uh and again, I want to thank you, Sonia, for having Colin on your show because uh, he's been a very great inspiration for me. And he was very kind to take the time to explain all of this stuff. I mean, it's a lot of, just a lot of things to know. I mean, just to go in there and try to find the code and understand this, it's not an easy process unless someone that understands it can show you the ropes and make it a lot easier for you to, to you know, to understand it for yourself. So. I want to thank Colin for that as well. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, Colin's been a blessing because um, he's he's. I've heard him on many of our shows and on other people's shows, and um, he has went over the same things and same things, and um, it takes a lot of patience to do that. So we're, we're all very thankful for um, everyone that comes on to the show and shares their stories and... Um, you know, yeah. Thank you, Vincent, very much for sharing sharing yours. My pleasure. It is very positive. It so, is. okay, well, um, Colin, I see you're on. So, thank you. You can, um, yeah, come join us, Colin. And, and and you know, we can't thank you enough for for what you've been teaching us. And and um, yeah, we're it's just like we're on a deeper road now. You know, like it's. Uh, it's really exciting. It's really exciting to, to, to learn this kind of stuff, you know, because, um, you know, like I said, who sat, who, how many people have sat down and read the Motor Vehicle Act and, and, and they don't teach us that in school, do they? <laughs> no, they you know? sure don't. I, I really, really appreciate it. And thanks. And, and as soon as my head deflates, I'll, I'll be able to speak better. Um, <laughs> Oh, but it, that, won't, that, it won't go to your head. I'm sure it's deflated in about three seconds. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'm just really thankful because that's part of what keeps me going is, you know, I feel, I, as you know, I quit doing my show uh, almost 12 months ago, and and uh, it's only because somebody happened to listen to some of my old shows and decided to ask me to come on to your show that has kind of revamped this and um, you know, I, his story was fantastic. I just think because spirits, behind, you know, spirit moves behind everything as far as I'm concerned. And the timing that 
it just so happened that the very first show that I was on was the first time he listened to your show and it was addressing, and he was ready to hear it. He was ready to hear it. And then just the way everything worked out where, you know, it made sense to him and he followed up. He didn't, he didn't just like sit on his hands and go, well, that was a great show. He actually said, well, you know, I'm going to go look it up for myself. And then once he did, I mean, that was the first phone call I got from him. He said, you know, it was right there where you said it would be. He says, everyone else talks in generalities, but what I liked about you is you're talking in specifics. And that was one of the reasons I started this to begin with, because I kept listening over the last six years. Um, I listened to all these great, wonderful gurus out there, but I really couldn't put the pieces together for myself. And actually, you know, it's like I've got a motorcycle and I've, I've got a picture of an engine. I've got a cardboard cut out of the framing and I've got uh, two tires and some inner tubes. And it's just like I can't build a motorcycle out of this stuff. And so I said, well, let me find the pieces for myself and help people show where they can go and get those pieces for themselves and put their own motorcycle together so they can travel on the, on the roads being unaccosted. And that's kind of what, what's been keeping me motivated. I actually felt that this was um, uh, such a small issue. I didn't address it until I kind of came on your show, and I was like, okay, fine. And, and, and my girlfriend had a ticket, so I got involved in it again, and I, I've been staying away from it because I just – it's like credit cards to me. It's just so. It's you know. I, I feel like I need to do the bigger things, which is the foreclosure and the fraudulent tax sales, because to me those are the huge things. Um, but you know, follow spirit, and here we are doing this stuff uh, back all over again, which caused me to reread, restudy, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, here the student has become the teacher. Vince has taught me now. Uh, because he did the due diligence, we sat there and read code for almost like two or three hours on the phone, and we found all sorts of really cool things. I didn't, I didn't know. I, I'm telling you, I did not know about um, uh, what is it, 18 USC 31. I didn't know that was there. He found that on his own um, because he was motivated to do it, and and he felt like you know the direction, and he's as good a hunter uh, as anybody I've, I've ever met, and and you know. He, you know, he passed it off to me to find the certain things, and I said, well, bing, 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 here it is, because I've trained my eyes. And then the next thing you know, here he is, far exceeding anything I've ever done. He's going, bing, 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 I found it over here, and I found it over there. I was like, really? <laughs> oh, you know, that, you know, this is really cool to me that, that this is happening. Um, you know, the next subject, of course, is going to be enforcement. Um, I don't know the lady that, that's that's been speaking, but it sounds like she has tremendous authority and is just can with, you know, bat off these tickets like a fly. And I feel very embarrassed because um, uh, I'm not able to do that in the states that I've been in yet. I've done some interesting things for other people. Um, but what I was going to talk about tonight was the one uh, where my girlfriend Luella had gone into circuit court and had raised a lot of these issues and so on. And and, and uh, we were going to talk about this tonight, and I feel very embarrassed uh, to be around somebody who can just bat these off like a fly. I thought it would be that, you know, somewhat that easy, although I also want, you know, if, if people want to hear the story, yeah. uh, uh, you know, but for, it sounds like you, you have somebody on here who's, you know, far more advanced than me. Maybe you want to hear her speak. But from my point of view, I just wanted to share, if we do talk about it, then I want people to, to perfectly know that we didn't go into court, in this into the circuit court, with the intention of winning. What we did is we went in there with the intention of giving them every opportunity to abide by the law and to deprive her of rights, to deprive her of 
due process to deprive the jury the right to actually have the, the code that they're enforcing and all of the things that they did, which the whole story talks about, so that we have a firm foundation and plenty of things to make a claim under 42-1983 deprivation of rights suit. Um, that's what my mentor has uh, basically shared with me, and that's where he's been successful. And uh, like I say, the last, I think the first case he did was two or three million. The second was like four or five million. And then the last one, which was a, a slightly different, they did kill the man's dogs and throw all his stuff out of his property on a tax sale, was I believe around 36 million or so. Um, to me, that's what I'm here to do. I realized finally a couple of years ago that it's up to us one percenters or 0.0001 percenters to actually take the reins and 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 basically force these criminals to abide by the law because the majority of people just aren't going to, not even 1% are going to do it. And even then, if you have the one percenters, you know, like Vince, you know, if we give them a hand. And look how fast he's done this. So I, I think that's important. We need to increase the numbers. The more we get the numbers, number one, first of all, I have a principle and philosophy in life, and that some people call it the butterfly effect, but I think it's a matter of consciousness that we're conscious beings, but we've been put to sleep. So I think the term sleeple, um, that, that, I, that I, you know, people call them sheeple, I call them sleeple, and it has deep meaning. And that is that we have been asleep spiritually as, as spiritual creatures, as, as creators, as manifestors. And, and that's, I believe this is plot. That's where people, they're kind of touching the edge when they say, oh, these people are demon and this and that. In a way, you could say that because that's what they essentially have done is put our spirit, our spirit person to sleep. Um, you know, the, 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 the beings that we are, that's what it means to be a being. We're being something. It is something that we, we are being, not like, oh, you're, a, you're a, a being from another planet, like you're a thing inside the shell. I'm talking about being, B-E-I-N-G. I'm being uh, uh, serious right now, that kind of a being, <laughs> and being in the moment. Um, and I think, you know, you, know, you, you read in, in scriptures and many, and many of them, you know, at, at the beginning, it's, you know, the word was God and God, you know, and thou shalt not have any gods before me. Who's me? Well, it's you. You is me, me is you, you know, all of this. And if we can wake just somebody up, I mean, listen to how excited, you know, Vincent is. I mean, you know, first it was frustration, and now it's replaced with joy uh, and, and something you can stand on and you stand solid. That even when you lose in court, you know that you just sat there, you're smiling. They're like, you, you wouldn't believe how nervous they are. They're like, what are you smiling about? I said, because we didn't come here to win. They're like, what? I said, no, we came here to make a record. And to gather evidence of criminal activity. Oh, we're not against criminal activity. Okay, well, you know, say that to a jury when we bring up the charges of 18 U.S.C. 241 and 242. Huh? You don't know what they say, do you? No. Well, 18 U.S.C. Uh, uh, 241 clearly says that if two or more persons conspire to injure, oppress, threaten, or intimidate any person, any state, territory, commonwealth, or district in the free exercise or, or enjoyment, hello, smiles, enjoyment of any right or privilege, so even if they consider traveling a privilege, privilege secured by the constitutional laws of the United States, shall be fined or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both. So, okay, how many years did you want to do? <laughs> you know, it's like they think they're above the law. And they, this is the issue that I'm making, is that even if we're sheep, even if we're goats, even if we're cattle, it's still no excuse for them to breach the law. 
and they're breaching the law. They're breaching common law. They're breaching common space law. I mean, ca- comma, yeah, common space or comma. We'll just use a hyphen for now. Common hyphen law. Remember, I learned that from Al last time, which I think is really powerful. I'm still looking into it. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, a man's law, nature's law, common law, uh, code law, statute law, okay, they are still subject. Whether we are not is what we've been talking about, but they most definitely are. That's why the first thing I do on the 10 questions is, is get people to make a claim. Who, who are you? Well, I'm officer so-and-so. Well, thank you for telling me what you are. I asked you who you are. Now, that's where um, um, Lins goes. Is he sits there and says, no, I want to talk to the man. And and I'm I'm working on it. I'm I'm, I'm slowly getting there. I'm you know, it's kind of like think of it this way. I just built up a whole lot of steam on this on this on this train going down the track, and I'm traveling down the the track at 60 miles an hour. It's kind of difficult for me to turn this train around real quick and go off in the Carl Lentz's way, you know. But I'm I'm paying attention to it, and I'm, I'm recognizing, I'm looking at it. Um, but at the same time, I'm I'm looking at it from a different point of view. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much for making a claim. Now, can you substantiate that claim? Because if you can't substantiate the claim, he's committing fraud. Well, fraud is an, an unlawful act. Okay? And was I injured as a result of him committing fraud in some way? So if, if so, then I have the law should be on my side that he's broken the law, and by breaking the law, I've been injured. So I've got the law to back it up. That to me, this seems to be, why, why throw away good tools? You know, hey, if the law's there, great. He's, I've never said I'm regulated by the law. I've never said I'm under the law. I just, and I never said I understood it either. I said it appears. It appears that he's violating the law. So you're the ones who are supposed to make the adjudication, is he or isn't he? But so far as the affidavit goes, I can certainly tell you I've been injured. Now, whether he was breaking the law... And as a result, or including breaking the law, constitutes, but I can sincerely say, well, it appears that the law says he can't do that. And since he's being regulated by you, and you're not managing him, so really you're his principal, uh, you know, you're actually liable. And I went and read another case law about it today, in fact, that yes, indeed, it's actually right in there about 15 times, um, where the principal is responsible uh, for what the agent does. So, Colin? Yes, ma'am. Colin? Say the difference between injury and harm. I'd rather you do that because I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to put my foot in the mouth. No, I require you to do it. Why? Because I love you. <laughs> If we go back years. So, yeah, do the difference between injury and harm. Injury is when they, let's just say, they move down your mailbox. You have to watch the wording. Absolutely. Keep going. Teach me. Oh, no, Colin. And Mike from heaven will be laughing his ass off on this one. I miss that guy so much. Oh, God, I miss that guy so much. Do you? Yes, I do. We've come a long ways from him, though, and he, but he helped get us there, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. 
And even he turned, even he turned, remember? He was able to go, oh, okay. Yeah, that was that was really funny how things worked. I don't know if anyone knows a story about Mike Gold or not. Um, but what he was adamantly, adamantly against any cop, um, anybody, like any part of authority. And at one point, uh, after I guess I worked on him for like a year or so, and then he actually says, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm not going to say that all cops are bad or all sheriffs are bad. It's it's because they don't know and they and they have the same education that we do. So although and, it, and it, you know then he says although I, it doesn't mean I have to like them you know but it took a long time to get him to that point. Now here's what was funny for the people who don't know is that what ended up happening is cops and sheriffs and deputy sheriffs started calling into his show and saying we don't like it either, and he actually became. Um, what would we call him? The front man, the uh, representative. What was it? The the, uh, the not representative. It was the um, uh, I can't think of the name right now. But it's like he was he was the presenter, and and the you know the the one that was drawing them to um, his show because they said themselves that what he was saying was absolutely true, and they're inside the system, and their hands are tied, and they're fed up with it. They don't like it. And I think that's why they took him out. I really do. That's my opinion. Do you know it took over a month because so many people, and I'm sure you already know this, that it took over a month for them to do an autopsy oh, on his really? body? Yes. Did you find out the results of that? Because we, we were supposed to, oh, God, there's so much stuff that was supposed to happen and nothing happened. It took over a month, Colin. What was the result? He died of natural cause. What, a heart failure? Yep. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm going to stick with my story. I'm sticking with my story. Well, who was who was Ryan? That was the guy. I'm sorry, Sonia. I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. But who was Brian? that end up calling people that might pass. I talked um, I talked to Mike. Yep. Uh, um sorry, it was Monday he passed Wednesday. He was making pancakes and he was so tired and Mike and I always spoke on Skype or he would yep. call me. Yeah. All the but time I, that guy would always call me. Yep. Well, you know, there's some there's some mystery people in his life, but I, the biggest thing I remember um, is yelling at him probably three or four different times. And I actually talked to him, what, I think maybe five or six hours before it happened, um, you know, because he was, he was notorious for calling me up and getting me into conversation with people. And yes, then, I, you know, that's what he did to me. Yes keep you on the line, and then he goes yep. get somebody else on the call. Do you know yep. that I did, like, a, I think it was like an 18- or 19-hour marathon with him because he just kept getting run, and they bring another person mm-hmm. in, and they don't just bring somebody yep. else. Yep. <laughs> yep. But what, what I believe it was is the, and I tell people this, and I'm very strong in this, do not get a smart meter on your home. Do not get a smart meter well, on your home. Well, remember, he was fighting with a smart meter on his water. 
But that's what I'm trying to tell you is he wasn't listening. I tell him, get rid of it now. I said, I don't care if you do without electricity or whatever. Get rid of it. Take it off. I'm telling you, that's what's causing you to feel bad. And he just wouldn't listen to me because he just he couldn't conceive of it. But see, I used to be in the military, and I did electronic devices, and I know what is capable. I mean, hell, when I was in the military in the, in, in the 70s, we had this tiny little thing. We called it the octopus. It was, it was like the size of a small recorder, and all it was, I, could, I still think I have the, the blueprint in my head on the thing. It was just a simple little device. And all it is is, a, is an FM tuner that you just simply tune to the radio station that somebody has on, and now I know what signals I can get rid of. I get rid of whatever you're listening to on the FM or AM radio or TV, and whatever's left over, the, your speakers on any device that you have, if you have a speaker, if you're listening to, to radio or you're listening to television, I can just get rid of all of, the, all of the stuff that you're listening to, and what's left over is that speaker will act as a microphone. And all I got to do is record it. People wouldn't believe. And think of the technology. Look, if you know those little plug-in devices that go into the wall that keep cockroaches and ants and roaches away, what is it? They're sending these uh, electrical impulses through the wires of your system. What do you think a smart meter can do? Colin, I just I was on the phone with uh, Ty. Uh, what is today? Friday, Thursday, Thursday or Wednesday. And he got the smart meter, and I, and it blew up. And I was the one of the first ones. Hi, is that a smart meter? Then we we on the phone. We ended up going into the water smart meter, and I know that that was one of the biggest things that Mike ended up saying, but. Ty, and this is new to me, was with Comcast. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, if people knew what I knew, I mean, I and you know, people wouldn't believe it. First of all, so that's why I don't talk about it. I mean, it's the first time we've talked about it, you know, in in a long time. Um, I just, I do, you know, it just. I know what can be done with electronic devices, okay? Um, you can think I'm a quack if you want, um, but I, I know. You well, know, you I, are a quack. Sorry, Colin. You are. No. <laughs> We're all I, quack. I, I, I'm sorry. I, didn't know, I did not understand with the Comcast, or I'm sorry, the electric company, or um, what do you want to call it? What, the media company? And, how they end up putting stuff into your home as far as your um, cable? Well, the cable, the cables, it depends. Well, first of all, you have to have, you, most people can have a router, and I never trust those things either. Um, but before that, Comcast, if you look at Comcast, it has uh, a box on the outside of your house, and it runs in, it runs through that. And that box itself can, can do the same kind of thing they could actually take the signal and through a radio transceiver, they can actually alter the signal that's coming into your house. Not to mention what's already coming down the pipe to cause uh, subliminal messaging on your television and everything. I don't watch television. I, I won't. I won't look at television. And if you've ever watched people, um, 
you know, for me, because I thought it was personal to me that, you know, if I sat there, I mean, I used to work in people's houses sometimes late at night, and they'd be, I'd be stuck glued to the television, and I've got my work tools in my hands just sitting there with my mouth hanging open going, uh, you know, I'm really susceptible to it. And I thought it was just me. But I started doing a little studying on it. It's like, no, this stuff, you have people have no idea what's being fed to them. Uh, you know, you just get rid of your television. I threw mine out. I literally threw it out. Um, uh, I just, I don't know. I mean, we, that's a whole, that's like three or four, I think we've done, I've done a few shows on that. Uh, it's just, yeah, that's, do your homework if you want to. Um, I just say stay away from it. It's like a snake. Um but yeah, so far as the cable goes, they they can monitor what it is. They can, look pulsation. People, if you study about what what amperage and what uh, what amperage and voltage that your your body and your heart runs on, and yep. uh, you you produce electricity and you run on electricity. Your whole otherwise, if it wasn't true, what is a taser? You don't need thirty thousand volts to tase you. What it is, it's, it's very very low amperage, like virtually no amperage, high high volts low amperage. It just so happens, and I'm going to tell you something else that's rather interesting. Almost all European companies run on 220, which is far more efficient than 110. 110 is the most inefficient. Well, that makes perfectly sense. If you remember, Tesla wanted to put it out for free, and it was um, um, Edison that said, oh, no, I want to make money off of this. And he's actually pretty sure he took Tesla out at some point, too. But he, he he crushed them business wise, you know, completely de- 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 deflated the man, and and um, you know it's all about money. And here in America, we still use one ten, the most inefficient form, even though every single house has two twenty coming into it. Okay, because you get one ten, one But you know what? Let's back up for one second. What I what I was just involved with. Um, they 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 cannot, and this is all in Pennsylvania. They cannot taser a pit. A what? A pit dog. A pit. They bull? cannot. I correct. They cannot taser because the pit won't accept it. Colin, I'm new to this. Well. So what they end up doing is they end up doing a fire extinguisher and blow it into their eyes. Well, yeah, it'll freeze freeze their face off. Yeah, that's how you cool a beer down quick. I'm new to this. I was shocked on this. But (laughs) a taser will not stop a pit. I didn't know that. (laughs) I I did not know that. Yeah. Mm. So anyway, so continue with with um, the, the distinction between what was it, claim and injury? No injury and harm. what was it? Huh? Harm. Harm. Yeah, what's the difference between harm and injury? Share it with everybody. You still there, Cheyenne? Hello. I see her um, movement on her name there, but uh, if I've got it right, I'm not sure. Cheyenne, um, I think she said something about injury was like to a mailbox or something like that, you know, to a 
right. an item or a material or or something harm is to a person, a man or a woman. I don't know. Maybe maybe in your story you were telling us, Colin. Maybe you used the word injury or harm. One or the other didn't harm a man or woman. I, I, I really appreciate her making that delineation because I, I need to be precise and I should be better studied on the difference. She's absolutely right. That harm is uh, when I do something to you. and No, injury is. Injury is when I do something to you. What And harm is what? You tell me, Colin. <laughs> Well, I'm asking you. You're the one who brought it no, up. No, no, exactly. And you, you're you the one who has mentioned that. Injury and harm. Well, I'm going to do what I always do when I don't know something. I'm There's go a big difference. I'm going to go look it up. <laughs> there is a big difference. Guys, ladies, men. Yeah, well, I forget too. I know, I, I know I've heard it. Go ahead, somebody tell us. Yeah, because I forget too. I re- we hear of it all the time. Injury has to do with harm. Injury has to do with like the mailbox. To a mailbox. And what is so funny is I end up getting from the. Um, oh, I'm going to lose your call. I end up. Um, yep, my friend's leaving. I'm gonna lose this call. Um, well, just go ahead and tell us real fast the difference. We got we got the first part. Give us the second part. Harm or injury? Um, what's injury? What's harm? What is it? What is it? Definition of harm. I gotta plug in. Oh, they got a lot of difference here. You'll have us all looking it up. I'm going to be looking it up here shortly, too. <laughs> I mean, hey, this is what it's about, eh, learning. That's what it is. I, you know, look it up. I'm not yeah. just trying to mislead people. It's just dumb. Okay. I'm going to look it up here, too. I used to know, and I ha- I'm sure I got a whole show about it. <laughs> I forget it. <laughs> well, we, we don't use this all the time, eh? It's yeah. like everything else. And repetition's great. Difference between harm I'm putting in here. And injury. I'm, yeah, I'm looking that. for the difference, see what it says. That's what I did, too. Yeah. Harm, damage, and injury. So that I've got here. What's the difference between damage and injury? So, yeah, they've got harm, damage, and injury. In I just got I just got done on the phone this morning. And Colin, or I'm sorry, not Colin, a Carl Lentz end up saying the same thing. But however, I'm going to plug in my phone because I'm going to lose you guys. Yeah, what did he say the difference was? I'm going to plug in. I'm sorry, guys. Okay, sir. The terms being injured and being hurt are very different from each other. Being hurt means having a sensation of pain physically or mentally, while injured implies, quote, to cause or to do a kind of harm such as a tear, severe sprain, etc. Okay, that was about as clear as mud. <laughs> There's a big difference, and I still don't see it. 
uh, I see that's that's what I do is I study and then I try to share it in a way that you guys can understand it because I don't understand it till I study it. <laughs> yeah. Taking the example of an athlete, he can play or participate in a tournament when he is hurt, uh, but he is injured. Come on, scroll, please. Come on, stop a computer. Okay. But if he is injured, Jesus, where was it? Uh, But if he is injured, he must abstain from such events. He must take ample rest and treatment for healing and injury occurs intense bodily. Well, this is not illegal. I don't think this is what we're talking about. Let me see what else here. Did you come up with something? Maybe, Colin. Yeah, maybe. Um, I've got here, injury almost always refers to a physical body. So injury, it says like a broken arm is an injury. So maybe injury means the, the physical body. That's interesting. And harm means you've been damaged or you have to heal from. Is what, uh, we're looking for legal. Let me try another search because not, that's not getting us where we want to go. In law. Let's see if I can open one more. <laughs> I got so many tags open right now. <laughs> if you're going, you want me to look up what? <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'll tell you what. I'll look what is so funny? Bit. What is so funny? I had a, I, I actually had a judge that kept calling it injury, and I kept calling it harm. But I'm going to start cooking because I have to eat. So you guys keep looking up. Thank you, Sonia. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Cheyenne. We're We're looking it up. I tell you what, I'll look up the legal definition of harm if you look up the legal definition of injury, all right? Okay. Uh, let's do that. All right, so now I have harm. Legal definition. Oh, and guess what's right on that same thing as legal definition of injury. Isn't that wonderful? All right, I, I use Bing. I don't know what you use. All right, harm... It's an, okay, harm is a noun, aggression, balefulness, damage, damnum, deadliness, determent. All right, those are, that's not making anything sense. This is, I'm looking for the law definition. Come on. It's so funny, the phone I'm using to talk to you on is faster than my computer, but obviously I can't use it because I'm talking to you on it. That's okay. All right. That didn't get me anywhere. That's ridiculous. Okay, I've got a definition here that might help us out. All right. Um, The threat of harm and legal definition... The threat of harm generally involves a perception of an injury. Like, so I read a little further back there that harm can be mentally, see? They can harm you mentally because they're threatening you, okay? Okay. So if they're they're threatening you, uh, that's a harm because it, it 
could involve a perception of an injury, like, you know, they're going to threaten you with a gun. They pull their gun out. Well, that, that's harming you right there. That's harm, okay? Mm-hmm. But it's not an injury because they haven't shot you yet. So harm can be mental. Okay. Um, it says harm means any injury, loss, or, or damage, and it can be mentally, um, physically or, or mentally. So harm is uh, harm is physical or mental damage on act or instance of injury or a material or tangible detriment of loss to a person. So harm is physical or mental damage on act or instant of injury or a material or tangible detriment or loss to a person. That was hard. <laughs> All right. Let me see. If, let me see if I can rephrase it and see if it makes sense. Okay. Harm is can only be accomplished to a man because a man has feelings, and man may have attachments not only to his body but to other things, and may be threatened and intimidated, or deprived of a right, and that would be harm because he has certain rights. And one of those things which is mentioned several times is the right to enjoy. And that's why they say the free exercise or the enjoyment of a right or privilege. Whereas an injury would be the uh, you can injure a corporation or a business by driving your car into their building and causing damage to it. Mm-hmm. That's an injury because it's going to cost them money to get it fixed or it might deprive them of a piece of equipment so they, can no, they can't continue doing a job to make money. So it sounds more like an injury has to do more with monetary um, as an injury. Even if I break your leg, it, it, the, the injury would be uh, the physical breaking of the bone, which has to be repaired, and the cost and the time that you're out of work is the injury, but the mental anguish is the harm. Mm-hmm. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the way I'm seeing it, too. All right. I got one here, too. Uh, pain and injury calculator. This is under harm. Uh, and this is an interesting link. Um, enter your email address. Um, you want to answer the question? <laughs> I love it when you go to a, a page and there's, like, nothing there. Like, like, three words on it. Okay, here it is. Okay, this is under harm. Bodily harm. Great bodily harm. And it's the same thing as last slide. Indeminis. I-N-D-E-M-N-I-S. I don't know how you put it. False. That's interesting. Nuisance. Bumping. Consequential damage. Self-insured. Malicious. Falsehood. Hurt. Hmm. That's interesting. So you, it sounds like you could actually harm somebody, um, as we said, by an emotional thing. That's interesting. Like you hurt somebody's feelings. That technically could be harm, couldn't it? Yeah, I think and that, so. I can see why that's important. The question is, how does that be, help? It, the, it can be a harm and not an injury. And I'll mute out. No, I see what you're saying. It makes I, sense. What? Well, the question to me, which comes to mind right away, given my, my, my thing now, I can see why that could be important from the, quote, 
common law, one word, common law perspective, because common law would be more concerned with the harm, whereas the legal side or the common space or common hyphen law side would be interested um, in dealing with injury, because injuries have to do with physical um, and financial um, aspects or resulting it's it's almost like an injury is what results from can result can result from a harm. But no, like, Colin, you're wrong. All right. Injury is what? I'm at don't correct me and then ask me. All right. If you're gonna correct me, you gotta cough up the, the goods. I don't play that game anymore. Okay, come on. <laughs> Sorry, I'm cooking. Um I had a judge that ended up saying Injury. Injury is when you when you mow down a mailbox. Yeah. Okay. Got so that. he's he's trying to say I was injured. I said I was harmed. Harm is financial. Hey, Colin. Yes. Can I join in? Yes, please. She's got started three times, and I want her to finish this time. <laughs> no, I'm done. I'm making hamburgers. Yeah, but you Maybe still haven't, you haven't completed the thought. Come on, please, complete the thought. I mean, explain it. What is the that's, difference? That's, Colin, that's all I'm saying. That's what the judge ended up telling me. He ended up putting it as injury. I put it. You know how they like to change? But, hon, that's just the same thing as they sit there and they go, well, how do you plead? And I sit there and say, I don't plead to anyone but my creator. And then he sits there and goes, and I said, I'm going to make a statement of fact that I am innocent. And he Correct. goes back and forth and back and forth. And I got Correct. a great spell on that as well. And then when he sits there and says, well, I'm going to make an entry of, of uh, not guilty, uh, an entry of not guilty. And I was like, fine, and you take full liability for that entry then because I don't authorize you to do it. So I put my spy yeah. on her? Go ahead. If somebody can answer this question, I'm getting frustrated. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I want to try to put my spire in her. I'm going to inspire her. Okay. Thank you. I believe the it's been confused with harm, injury, or loss has been confused to actually fall under the term of trespass. Because when you talk about you have the right to be secure in your person's papers and effects, your mailbox, regardless if it's a harm, injury, or loss, is a person. It's your person, if you will. So e anything out there of your character is your person, and when it's distorted, changed, or its standing is, is altered, it harms the man. And you see this in law all the time with defamation of character or intellectual property. There's always a harm, even though there's no physical damage. I mean, I don't see any statutes, unless there is one, where it makes a distinction between the, each of those. It's only the trespass. If you have the right to be secure in your person's papers and effects, you could be a million miles away from your person's papers and effects. But once you calculate the damages, then you can show a loss. But there's still injury or harm either way. Take it from there. Come back quiet. Thank well, you. I, no, that, 
Thank you. Again, it's still not it's still not clear enough enough to me. Perhaps we should all do a study on that. Um, I stick by what I said before. I and, and I think Sonia agrees that I think a harm can be done emotionally, and a harm and that's the difference is that it can include. It's not exclusive but inclusive. That harm is the one term that includes an emotional injury, whereas uh, an injury does not include any emotional, well, although you've got emotional damages. Well, you could show a damage to the skin and maybe get a doctor bill, but if you're truly emotionally damaged, you would need therapy and you could get a, a cost assessed to that. But you notice how you and I did the same thing. We called it damages. And yet yeah. the question was, what is the difference between harm and injury? Can I read another definition here? It might help. There are, it says there are various types of harm that can, can occur while participating in a blah, blah, blah. Harm, physical harm, legal harm, social harm, economic harm, on and on. So harm can be from all different angles, and it doesn't necessarily have to be um, physical injury, you know, uh, yes, physical it's damage. A, it's, so. it's a word. It's like a blanket term. Yeah. It sounds like it's an all-inclusive term. Yeah, that it includes everything, including an injury, including a bruise, including the broken bone, including the emotional uh, and stress, including the harm to my person's deformation of character. All those things are a harm, and then we have to determine whether there was an injury or not. Sounds like injury would be more specific. Throw in the word abuse there, too. When you abuse something, it really means you changed its character or nature. And it's the cost of restoring it back to normal that you would show the loss. You know, you could be that specific would be on it, wouldn't it? Yeah. Very yeah. good. Yeah, I think we're getting it down here. All right, that that makes sense to me. Harm. Okay, so harm covers a larger, like one of you has mentioned, a blanket. Harm's a blanket of, of many different types of harms that it could be, including an actual physical injury. So it sounds to me that if you say harm, why the judge was correcting her was because harm is an all-inclusive general term, but in in order to get a um, a judgment, you have to prove that there was an injury. Well, yeah, you would have to prove the injury, wouldn't you? I think that's the difference. So she kept saying harm, the judge kept saying injury, or damage, I think damage would also, yeah, you can say you're damaged, that's a legal term. So I think that's kind of the, the difference is that the law is not necessarily concerned about a harm because failure to state a claim upon which relief be, can be granted. So if the court cannot grant a relief on a harm, it can only grant relief on an injury or damages. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. Thank you. I did not do anything as far as injury or harm. The judge, who would not sign, end up bringing out injury. Right. So that's what I just addressed, is that the reason is, is because the court has no authority to address harm. That is man-to-man. You must go to your brother and ask for forgiveness for the harm. But the court can address an injury or damage. And that damage is going to be assessed hmm. in order to in order for the the court to give relief on the injury. Does that make sense? 
Somebody's really muffled here. Are you muffled on purpose? I'm not. Okay. All right. Did you just say something? Because it was really muffled, huh? Oh, oh I'm sorry. Um, Superior Court cannot give an opinion. What? They cannot we... give an order. Did we just did we just shift subjects here? <laughs> okay, I'm just I'm sorry. I was cooking. Sorry. All right. A minute ago, we were talking about the difference between harm, damage, and injury, and I think we got that. Correct. One. Are you changing subjects now? Yes. All right. What What are we changing subjects to now? Superior Court cannot give a order. Okay, go ahead. That's all I gotta say. Well, what do you mean? That's all you're gonna say? You open up the subject. You gotta, you gotta give. That's some all teaching. I gotta say. You know, people under. Mm. I'm gonna go back to my hamburger. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. Let's. Okay. Let's. They cannot give. They cannot give a order. Superior court cannot give an order. That's all I'm saying. I did not know that. Well, I don't know that either, and I don't know if other people know that, so tell me what you base that statement on. A lawyer. <clears throat> well, that should tell you something right there. If it was from a lawyer, how do you know that a lawyer's lying? Because his mouth is moving. Oh, this was a great lawyer. He's high-end lawyer. And well, the more that we, we tie in, then he's very expensive, which means he's a very expensive liar. Go ahead. <laughs> well, you say what, whatever you want to say, but um, this guy, well, ended, and, and actually I end up looking into it, of what he ended up saying, mm -hmm. and he is correct. Well, show me, what, um, tell me what your research is so we can verify it. That's what we're here to do. We we don't believe okay. anything that we okay. says so we can verify go it back and, and Go back and research. I'm losing my voice again. Go back and research that the Superior Court cannot give an opinion, an order. And that's well, in any that? state. That which is one? in any state. What? They yeah, can't give order. Who am I speaking to? They can't give an order or an opinion to any state. Correct. All right. Where would we find this? Look it up. Where? Okay. You know well, what? Okay, um, we're just we're just kind of going around in circles here. Um, Colin, did you say your girlfriend was gonna had a story to share? Yeah, she's not here yet. She might still be working. Um, but I was gonna do the setup and and share. Okay, with I I gotta get off the phone for an emergency for a sec, you guys. I'll be right back. Okay, huh? Um, so I guess um, you know, I wanted to update and share if people want me to. <clears throat> as to what happened in circuit court in Virginia the other day. 
Uh, and it was after I had filed, uh, or she had filed a motion, which we put together, which everyone I showed it to, including two attorneys uh, that are non-practicing attorneys, they're, they're, they're studied in law, uh, one's just graduated and so on, They the first words out of their mouth was, my God, that's airtight. Has somebody got their mic open? Yeah, somebody I'm on the call. I've been on a call. Oh, great. Oh, hi, Luella. Hi, everybody. So uh, we went to circuit court. Let me, let me do, the, let me do the, the, the lead in real quick. And the yeah, motion... Yeah, let me know and I'll unmute. Do what? I'm okay, muting you can... until you're done. Right. Okay, good, good, good. So uh, I want to preface this by letting everyone know the reason that we were doing what we're doing. We were not doing it necessarily to win the case. In fact, we would have been very surprised had we got got it dismissed because they've already got it and they've got an investment in here because they've already created a charging instrument. They're already probably got it uh, uh, using it for all sorts of purposes of gambling and backdoor stuff and uh, shorts and all sorts of stuff. And who knows how many derivatives are made off of it and and the retirement fund and so on because of the kangaroo court that went through the district court and this is the one where the, where the judge there sat there and said well were you behind the wheel uh, and I talked about that before that there's nowhere in the statute or any in the code anywhere it talks about behind the wheel blah blah and I, we didn't know this we found out that according to the prosecuting attorney she claimed that Luella uh, pled guilty which is a bold place lie, um, and which ended up we corrected. You know, she corrected the record on that, and I want to share that because it's like really, really powerful what she did. I've never seen anyone do this before, so I want to share some of the highlights of what I witnessed. Um, she's very adept on her feet, um, and 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 did a great job, um, particularly given her first time with a with a little amount of study that she had. Uh, the opportunity to, to actually study and learn and do the dialogue. You really have to practice this, you know. Um, as of now, she mentioned to me the other day that she understands why whenever I go out in public, I practice on people. <laughs> now she gets it. Because if you can practice on a perfect stranger and keep their attention and get them to understand what it is you're saying, then you might have some chance in a bunch of strangers in a closed, hot room that don't want to be there and think you're a dumbass trying to get out of a ticket or something, all right? And you don't have somebody who's heckling you and going objection and trying to corner you and box you in and, 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 and not allow you due process. But there's one point I want to bring up, and that was that she raised the issue when it was said that she pled guilty. She said, no, that's absolutely untrue. Uh, I stated that I was innocent, and the judge then entered a not guilty plea, and I told him that, I do not give him uh, authority to uh, make an entry on my behalf. Um, and I said, and, and she, she basically embellished learning from some of the things I've said, and that was uh, and said to this judge and to the, to the court that when he made that entry, I said, if you make that entry, you take full liability for that entry. Now, this was funny because I'm sitting there um, they wouldn't let me sit at the table. It was just that part was horrible. I, maybe I'll talk about it in a few. But um, 
I'm sitting back there and I watch. I'm watching the judge and I'm watching this this public uh, pretender, and um, so I mean, excuse me, the prostitutor. And the judge's demeanor changed, and I actually watch her go, well, I'm going to answer in this court, and you're going to be not in, uh, and, oh, okay, I'm just going to answer innocent then. <laughs> now, I've never, I've done this a few times, and the way she did it, which I will mimic next time, um, is I, the last times I've done it, I've waited for the judge to make the entry, and then when he makes the entry, that's when I said, well, you take full liability for it. What she did was notice the judge that she had told that judge, I don't give you authority, okay? And I never did that part. I never gave you authority to make that entry. And you take full liability, barring that from what I've talked about, I, you take full liability for that entry. And that's what caused the judge to balk. So there's a little nugget that we can that we can hold on to so far as that goes. Um, so anyway, Luella, why don't you jump in here and tell a little bit from your perspective and and share what you learned and you know some of the some of the other things if you're ready. Hello, Luella. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm sorry. I'm on the highway and driving, so I'm gonna. Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, you want to come back on in a few minutes then when you're ready? Uh, I'm still on the highway. I, I mean, can you hear me clearly? Oh, yeah, we hear you clearly. You don't need to yell or anything. Um, I'm not sure uh, what, what I can share that can help, but if I can help somebody by sharing what uh, my experience in court is, I'm happy to, and... Um, Definitely, you know, I am. This is a new experience for me, and I, <laughs> I have a lot. I'm humbled. I have a lot more respect for all of you who have tried to go into court or getting ready to or writing documents, all of that. Because once I step foot in a court, it's an adversary environment, like Colin said, and. I never understood that, but you know what? It's like stepping into the wolf's den, and all the wolves are, like, baring their teeth and drooling and trying to bite you. That's what it feels like. And, um, but you know what? You could do it. Uh, if, if you study enough, then there's nothing to be afraid of, because guess what? As, um, I don't know what it is. They, they knew when we walked in, they knew that uh, Colin was me. That he, they knew that he knew a lot more than I do, and they did. The judge, the prosecutor, the judge secretary, whatever you call that person that sits next to the judge and take notes. She and the and the and you know those guys in the brown uniforms with the guns. They were all very concerned about getting Colin out of the courtroom. And they were very concerned about not letting me have any eye contact with him or any help. And, you know, how is that fair when everybody knows each other in that courtroom, but I was not allowed any contact and I was all by myself because I didn't, because I chose to not hire an attorney to help me. And they have no respect for anybody but attorney because 
Well, we know why, because they're all in the same, uh, <laughs> they're all in the same circuit. And, um, they do not have our best interest in mind, but they're not, I mean, then again, you already know that. Uh, it's not an easy environment, but you know what, the jury is also, the jury is tough. They have people, just like, there are a lot of go-alongers in the jury, and some of them are very complacent and comfortable being, you know, being locked down with these laws that are erroneously applied to us, and they're okay with that because, you know, like, we've been programmed too, and they've been programmed, they're so programmed. And it's so hard to get through to the jury. So I just wanted to stress that please study, 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 study. Read the statute, read the code. I didn't do that. I feel I feel like I would have done a much better job if I would have studied like Colin encouraged me to. And the only reason... I feel like the only reason I survived is because I'm stubborn and I, I hate losing, and I knew they were wrong and I, and I listened to the talk shoes, everything that I've learned that I could have used in that courtroom. I learned from listening to Colin talking to everybody. So even if you just listen, there's a lot you can learn with the codes and the law, and and it's true that. You know how Colin says this is like your arms, like we're supposed to have the right to bear arms? The, the language of the statue, the code, is our arms that we can bear. Because in that courtroom, if I use the, the instance when I use the vocabulary word correctly, you should have seen the worry. It's what I don't know if it's fear or was just, but definitely. It was they were very worried about everything that I said. And every time I pick up the 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 printed notice and motion that we have sent to the court, they were very worried what I was gonna read out of it. And every time that I try to read directly, try to quote directly the written codes and the written statute, the judge and the prosecutor had something to say to to try to stop me. And that right there tells you why these are our codes and our statutes and our laws. Why couldn't I read it to the jury who, you know, the people in the jury who who probably have never read it? We're like the 1% or, or, you know, half a percent of the population who actually has been pushed in the corner with whatever injury that has been done to us and so bad, you know, it's, we in the extreme corner, we we were forced to go read it. And then we realized we've been deprived of it. It's something that everybody really needed to read to to protect our rights. And, and you know, I'm merely reading our codes. And, and the judge and the prosecutor, they, they did everything they can to try to stop me from reading the vocabulary. And they succeeded a lot. And, um... And another thing, there's um, in the law library at the courthouse, there is 
handbook on procedures of the court, and uh, I think they call it procedures of court rule. Uh, uh, I don't know what it's called, but it's a book on how the court runs their show. Like, how do you file a motion? How much time do you have? What do you need to do? Those kind of definitely get yourself familiar with that too, because we um, filed notice and motion, but it was thrown out by the judge very unfairly because she kept asking me, "Okay, you filed it. The clerk at the court stamped it on a certain day, but did you put it in the docket?" And I didn't understand that. And the judge held up this book with a lot of tabs, a colorful book with tabs. This is the rule of the court's book, and there are rules and procedures that you have to follow here for these to be effective. And basically, she's like, you lost out because you didn't follow the rules, even though the contents of your motion might even be valid, but we're throwing it out because you didn't follow the procedure and enter it correctly. And, I mean, it's completely ridiculous, but that's how they run that court. So... Let me jump in there. Let me let me jump in, Luella, and explain to people a little bit of detail, okay? Yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> All right, a little bit of detail on that. Um, kind of my bad on that because I'm uh, I had to shift. I've been helping someone in Pennsylvania. I was uh, before that I was helping someone in in uh, California, and I was doing something in Cal in Colorado and then Texas, and um, then new, new, somebody in New Jersey. And I just started trying to get back to my case, which is in Maryland. Um, and so, and 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 I had, in fact, studied the um, uh, pleadings and well, not the pleadings and practices manuals. Basically, the pleadings and practices manual, but it's the it's the code, it's the code of Maryland, um, and it is the annotated code of Maryland. I studied it in order on those two criminal charges, which uh, which I managed to get dismissed because I did that. Um, and I really just didn't have time. I felt that that was Luella's job to read and study up on the on the um, on Virginia because that's where the the ticket was at. And I really didn't think there was that much difference between Maryland and Virginia. And there is. And here was the difference: in Maryland, you're required. The prosecutor is required without. Uh, it's uh, in fact, I know it's it's 264B. If it, and there's two separate ones. There's one for district court and there's one for circuit court. And uh, it falls under, two. I believe it's 260 or 246B. And what it says is that the prosecutor is required to give you um, basically what we would call discovery. They have to give you the names of the people, the witnesses. They have to give you the contact information. They have to give you all of the evidence and they actually have to give you any evidence or witnesses that may be to your benefit. Um, and it's kind of my bad because I was going on that, and what worked for me last time in Maryland, I was using based on that where I had noticed the court, I had made a verbal on the phone, and I made a record of it twice where I called the prosecutor um, uh, to get that information that is required under Maryland law to um, to provide to me without my request, and I went ahead and made a request, and then I did a written request, and then I noticed the court that they had failed to provide. Now the reason for that 
is if you can show that the other side has failed to do some due process, then the court can't have jurisdiction because they don't have capacity. And I want to talk about capacity at some point. Don't let me forget. This this is an important little piece there. I've always been working. uh, I'll share it real quick, real fast. I've always been going after their capacity and challenging their capacity or showing that they don't have capacity because there's case law, which I had read before, that if they don't have capacity, then the court can't have jurisdiction. All right, so that's, to me, capacity is more important than um, than whether they have um, standing or not. So, because to me, that seemed to be much more powerful. If a party has capacity and no standing, well, they can still hear the case, okay, to prove whether they have standing or not. Um, and that's that's sort of take that uh, away from the court. I said, well, if I can attack capacity, then uh, the court doesn't have jurisdiction. And so that's why I was doing that. But I never thought about it until this this case actually was kind of interesting uh, when I started doing some other studies. And I really honestly never thought about the fact that maybe we don't have capacity, which is um, to be, and because remember, it's a two-way street. Not only do they have to have capacity to bring an action, but we have to have capacity to sue and be sued. So if, if they do not establish, which they never do, so something that's hugely important I completely missed, and I'm sharing it with you because I missed it, um, that if we, if they haven't, they have not provided the, rec- the prerequisite to show that we have capacity to be sued, um, then they've got a problem. There's no capacity. And this kind of goes back to jurisdiction again. There's no persona jurisdiction. It's very similar. But it really has to do with our uh, capacity to be sued. So if for instance, if they're calling you, if they're bringing an entity under the last name first, all uppercase entity, um, well, what capacity are you, are, are, have they established that you are that entity or the surety or the, um, 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 what I call it, the, um, the um, fiduciary for that uh, fictional, alleged fictional entity? Does it even exist? And if it doesn't, then there's no capacity. Now, I've been setting that aside because I believe, and I still do, that even what's more important is the activity that is being regulated because that cuts through all of that. But, again, let's not throw away tools that we may have. Um, So what ended up happening here was we noticed the court with this motion. We had a motion to dismiss, um, and in it was a whole series of facts which were very, very powerful, and required the other side, because any time you have a motion, the other side is required to answer it. And if they don't answer it, you can move for summary judgment on that motion because there's no, uh, no elements of controversy. If they don't controvert the elements of what any, of the, any and all the elements to create a controversy, then the court has to rule in your favor. So we filed that and filed it. The notice that they had failed to provide the discovery that we had requested. And what the judge was saying is, was it put on the docket? She didn't understand what was going on. And I couldn't help her, couldn't say anything. They wouldn't let me anywhere near. Um, But what that meant was, did you come in, did you file a motion, number one, to compel discovery? Remember, the first thing you do is you request discovery, and then if they fail to give you discovery, then you file a motion in the court to compel discovery. And in Maryland, I didn't do that because... All I wanted to do was show that they had a legal defect because the statute required them to do it. You see what I'm getting at? And if they were statute, I mean, if the if the code 
required them to provide it to me even without my request. And it also said that they must provide it upon request, and I could show that I had requested it. Then they no longer had capacity because they had a legal deficiency. But in Virginia, you can make a, a, a request for discovery, and they can ignore it. And if they ignore it, it doesn't diminish their capacity because apparently, and I haven't read it, so I don't know. Uh, so there you go, lesson number two, or no, excuse me, that's lesson number one for the 300,000th time. Um, read it, read it, read it, so you know. Um, but I'm presuming from from what the judge what, what ended up transpiring is that there is no section in the Virginia code that says they must. So they are not lacking capacity. They just chose to ignore it. And then what I have to do is, or you have to do, or anyone has to do, is we have to now file a motion to compel. So you're asking the big guy, the guy, you know, the, the big guy. Think of the court in this case that you're filing a motion. You are causing the court to be your um, hitman, so to speak, or your enforcer. and so, But you have to motion the court, which is to go to a judge and say, hey, I need discovery, and I motion discovery, because how can I make a defense? How can I properly mount a defense if I don't know what the hell it is that they're coming at me? And you have the right to face your accusers. You have the right to face testimony. You have the right to know all the information that's going to be used against you. So we missed the boat on that because we didn't read and study Virginia's uh, uh, procedures code, okay? So that's that's usually important. More cases are won, on, and won and lost on procedures, by the way, okay? Processes and procedures. Um, and the first thing you want to do is study with the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure. It's not too, too long. It's only a couple hundred pages long. And almost all states follow that generally. And then you want to also read Rules of Evidence. That's hugely important. Rules of Evidence... Actually, the federal rules of evidence are pretty much standard throughout most states, okay? Now, the, the procedures and the code of procedures is different from state to state, and it can even be different in the county and the particular courtroom you're in. So, and I, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really, really bad. I mean, my mentor and, and all of them, the ones that have helped me, have said over and over and over again, Find the ones, and you you know you hear this stuff over, but you ignore it. You know you think you can get away, and then you find out, oh gee, guess what? He was right. So here we go. It's a good example, good lesson. That's what we're here to do. Um, is we learn. And next time when I'm in Virginia, we'll be ahead uh, of the curve. We'll file a motion uh, to uh, compel. That's the key word to compel discovery. And then if they don't, then we you know take it from there. Anyway. So the motion that we filed to dismiss uh, was extremely powerful. And what Luella did that was so beautiful was, it was kind of funny. It was kind of like, have you ever seen a record when it gets stuck and it goes, give it hominate, give it Well, for some reason, she got into this thing and couldn't hear what the judge was saying when the judge said, yes, I read it. Um, and at one point, he goes, I don't answer to you, and then turned around and she answered, uh, Luella about four or five different times. She goes, I already answered that question five times. <laughs> but what's so important about that is it turned out, I believe in spirit, as I said, because we have the judge on the record denying at least three, she says five, or, or excuse me, stating that she had read the motion and then she went ahead and dismissed it. Um, so the reason why that's important is because the other side never answered never said anything, and here's what's important. The other side never made a motion to have that motion dismissed. Well, 
that's kind of important. That means that the judge is prosecuting the case or doing things without authority because she can't do that on her own. She has to get something from the other side, and the other side has to create some sort of dispute. So that means technically everything is admitted to in there, and she unlawfully dismissed it. Um, so that's that's going to get that to me is going to be wonderful play, um, and it really doesn't matter because what it ends up is a blueprint for the for the next stage where we're just going to send off the uh, interrogatories, uh, and when we do the depositions on them, we're going to ask. So so that's why I took so much time writing it. Those questions will still come up later. What I do want to share is. What I learned from this is kind of what I expressed earlier is even though I know I'm correct um, on this, that the statute only regulates the transporting of passengers or property um, for compensation over the highway, it's over and over and over repeated. Now, another huge mistake. I don't know what happened. I must have had a total brain fart. Um, I mean, we were tired and we waited to the last minute to start studying, et cetera, et cetera. But for some reason, I only had certain sections of the code printed out from before. I had every intention of printing it out. And you should do that right away. Have it printed out. And if you have a color printer, have your highlights on there at the same time. I thought that I was at the very least going to be able to present facts. There's a a section in there. We were well aware they were going to not allow her to have the assistance. And I, I broke it down to two different things that the court was denying her the right to assistance and the assistance of counsel. Um, so she was literally there all by herself, even though I've seen many times where there's uh, more than one on the other side, but you see those are all licensed attorneys. So that's okay. We can gang up on you, the ignorant, and the ones that aren't schooled in law. We, the schooled in law, we can gang up on you. That's perfectly okay because we're here to protect your rights to be screwed. So anyway. Um, so she, so we knew this was going to happen, but I had come in under another part which says except, and this is the bar saying this, except as a presenter of facts. And for either she didn't do it completely right, because if I remember, Luella, you said that, that they kind of looked at you funny, but it never really panned out because you didn't quite know how to follow through to enforce well, I'm going to call him as a presenter of facts, and then I was going to pull up the computer, and I was going to pull a blank. I just, in fact, put together a blank page, and I was going to show the jury on a big screen and, and go through and, and click in the words person and the definition of person and motor vehicle and compensation and um, um, transportation and passengers and property and just show them and highlight it so that they could see exactly what the whole picture is. Um, and that was refuted, defeated. Um, the uh, interesting when I tried to stand up and say something, the judge tried to tell me shut up, and it was only a matter of three seconds before those guys had their hands on the guns approached me. But I did manage to get a few words in there. I said, "Oh no, I'm not in here to interpret the statute. I'm not here to represent here. I am only here to present facts." And um, and I, the judge said, uh, and, and said, well, what about as a, um, I said, as a, um, what do they call it, a, um, a uh, expert witness. And she said, and here's, listen to what she said. This, this should really, te- this is telling. She said, if you're not the author of the code or the one that has, that is 
what did she say? I'm not sure exactly. I said, all I heard was that copyright, copyright. If you're not the owner of the copyright, then you can't be the expert here. And I just, it was just stunned me. I was, I literally was stunned back. I was like, what? Because I thought that was a rumor. And actually, I have confirmed that, that uh, 29 states actually copyright their codes, which kind of is a clue that if it's copywritten, how can it be public? Uh, I'm still working on that one, but, you know, it's, it's, it's clear that there's something funny going on there. Um, and, and I believe that what it is is code is not necessarily, and it isn't, it is not enacted law. It's statutes that are enacted. And the code is actually what somebody has written as a thorough interpretation of the statutes. So I'm going to go back and have to do homework again and, and see if I can hold their feet to the fire. I'm still researching that. But I believe it's true from what that judge said, that the code is actually copywritten, and what it is, it's, it's just a, 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 an explorative or complete, more complete breakdown, and it obviously is an interpretation of the statute, which is actually enacted and properly promulgated. So there, there's kind of a new study as well. But the fact of the matter is code, statute, or otherwise, the, the thing that was most important is Luella kept on saying, I'm not here about speeding. I'm here about a, a violation of the code 46.2. I mean, for, yeah, 46.2, motor vehicle code. And they kept saying it, no, this is about speeding. And they kept uh, stopping her. They wouldn't allow her to read it. They wouldn't allow any of the code to be in there, which, first of all, how can a jury make a decision on the code if they don't know what the code says? So we clearly have a, 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 something wrong right there as well. And um, what's fascinating at the very end, the judge, and this is what I was waiting for, I was allow, I, they, they really did a neat, neat little trick on her. They... Um, they made it out that they were going to allow me to be a witness. And she took the bait and said, okay, if you let her be a witness, great. Not knowing what I know is that the moment you become a witness, um, you are now kept outside of the, uh, of, the, um, of the courtroom. So you can't be a witness to what's going on inside the courtroom. So this, is, this, this was interesting. Uh, the fact is, is that in Maryland, everything that goes on in the courtroom is recorded and you go down at the end and you go to the clerk's office and you tell them what the case number was and for 25 bucks you can buy a CD, certified CD, which a, um, a transcriber can transcribe from, um, and of the, of the hearing that you just had, okay? And in Virginia, you can see all the microphones there in the courtroom. They're all there. They got all the equipment, but, oh, even though this is supposed to be a court of record, we generally don't record these ones. I mean, how ridiculous can you be, okay? And then we called the, the clerk today, you know, day late, dollar short, but we called him today and, and the clerk said, oh, well, you have to file a motion to have it recorded and it has to be approved and you have to pay for it ahead of time. I'm like, what? In today's digital world where we ended up using the phone uh, to, to make a recording of it, all they had to do is press the on button and record it would be what, a couple, maybe, you know, a couple hundred kilobytes? It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, this is clear, intentional, and that's what we're looking for, okay? I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm happy because this is more to bolster the case that here we have a policy of the state to deprive them of the equal protections of the, of the law, okay? That's what I'm after. 
to show that there is a policy of the state to go out of its way. You've got these cathedral ceilings. I mean, these are three and four story high ceilings with huge columns, marble walkways. I mean, just you wouldn't believe this building. It's intense. It's amazing. All right, it's huge. It's five stories tall, and it's just it's just amazing. And um, and yet they can't afford. What would it be? Oh, I don't know. Maybe point oh five cents to uh, record with the electronic you know equipment that we have today. Are you freaking kidding me? So you know. Again, um, that's the complaint side. But when I file it in, a, when I file it into my my claim, it's not going to sound like that. It's just going to be a matter of fact. Um, that was also something else that I think she learned um, is that you can't entertain these people. They do not want to be entertained. It it doesn't work. You can't be funny. It's not. This is not funny to them. They think that you're a nut job just for challenging it in the first place. Interestingly enough, and I found this to be fascinating as well, when I say fascinating, to me it means I'm going to research to see if I can find, you know, another couple hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars in that one too, um, because all but one of the people that was on the jury had gotten a speeding ticket before. That, to me, is an indication that the public, by their actions, have stated that the quote-unquote speed limit is improper if it regulates the people. Now, we already know it doesn't regulate the people. It regulates those that are in commerce. And anyone who's ever tried to go 55 miles an hour in this area, trust us, D.C. area and, and, and around the Beltway and, and so on, if you even try going 55, you're disrupting traffic. You're causing a problem. So, you know, these are, all, these are general issues because, I, to me, I, I look at the government as all one. It's, it's ours, and we need to go to the legislature and cause them to create legislation that's you know that is going to stop this process that's happening. So I'm always looking at every every angle of it. The other thing was uh, at the very end to the instructions to the jury, and I was able to catch this because the first time I learned this that you need to you actually by the way we didn't do this and I, I kind of slipped because um, Luella was so confident that that motion was going to stop it um, that I kind of believed in it for a minute. And we didn't go for the um, instructions to the jury. You need to have your instructions to the jury ready to go, what you want the instructions to the jury to be. That is negotiable. You negotiate that with the prosecutor, the other party, and you negotiate it until you come up with an agreement. People don't know that. Um, and unfortunately, we weren't prepared for that, so we only could take what they were presenting and try to correct it, which they did do to some extent, but they still made a misrepresentation, and here it was. The judge, into the instructions to the jury, said this case is about speeding, and it is not about speeding. You go look up under 46.2, you will find the word speeding is mentioned six times. Not one time is it defined, and not one time is it put, not one time is it regulated. No time does it sit there and go, anybody engaged in speeding, da-da-da-da-da, as defined, da-da-da-da, there's no such thing in there which means what was she found guilty of? The jury found her guilty of something that's not even in the law or the code. It's an assumed word because it's a triggered word. It's like terrorist, 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 debtor, debtor, debtor. Speeding, speeding, speeding. You're a speeder. Okay? The word speeding is not defined and it's not regulated. So the jury found her guilty of speeding, which is not in statute or code. We got a problem, don't we? And the judge and the prosecutor continuously 
No matter how many times Lola kept trying to bring him back and go, no, this case is not about speeding. This case is about a violation or an alleged violation of 46.2. So, I mean, there's a lot of things she did great. There was a few things that cut her in the, that sliced her in the throat. At the very end, she was tired. I mean, it's been going on all day since, what, 10 o'clock, um, going through the jury selection. Uh, going through all the preamble that even came before all of that, the fight, the tussle, and so on, trying to stay on your toes. And at the end, um, unfortunately, she said, um, what was it she said? Um, um, Oh, it doesn't apply to me. If you get before a jury, never, ever, 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 ever say it does not apply to you. Because what you do, and I, I watched them, I was like, oh, crap. You just watch their hits turn, particularly in America, but this is general human race. The moment somebody says it doesn't apply to them, the first thing you want to do is go, oh, really? You want to find out how much it applies to you, honey? I got a question on this. Yeah. What's a docket? Is that the uh, case number, ticket number? No, the docket is a thing that, and you can look this up on the Internet. You can't find what a person filed. But on the docket, it will list what has been filed. And, 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 and in this case, uh, if you go look at the docket, you'll see, and also in my other friend's case with the foreclosure, the stuff that he put on two months ago is only now showing up on the docket. So you've got to be careful that, and make sure that they uh, correct that docket because they're manipulating the docket as well. The docket is the thing that carries what was the last motion to be filed, what was an, a, 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 a motion that was denied, what was the outcome of it, a status hearing, uh, what it was for, and they'll have the title of your motions, and it'll say well, defendant, prosecutor, and so on. Huh? Let me, ask, let me ask you a question from what I've experienced. When I had that ticket, it takes 10 days to receive it at the, uh, city, the city court. Yeah. So, so when I sit in a little notice, I use the ticket number, and it went into the file. Is it similar to a docket? If it's something, if it's, case, it's something the if judge there, presented. If there's a case number, in other words, they, if, there, if a case number has been created, uh, my understanding is this. If you get a ticket, you have a certain period of time, I think it's 10 days, to pay it. If you don't pay it, then that ticket, this is this is this scratches my ass. I mean... They want you to follow legal procedures, and yet they don't follow them. So they just skip all these damn procedures, uh, which is another thing. You, you haven't been properly served with a proper, um, you know, filing like you would in any other court. Anytime there's a court case, just like I was going to file a civil suit, I'd have to make the case caption. I'd have to do the presentation. I'd have to make the claim. Well, in their case, they're going to make the charge. I'd have to lay it out. These are the facts. And they use the ticket to, to allegedly cover all that. And so the ticket. What, so after ten days, the ticket number becomes the kind of like a docket number. No, it doesn't. It will have a case number, and then you got to go find out. What you do is you call in, and you give them the ticket number, and you ask them what is the case number. It'll have a different number. And the reason for that, just to let you know for fun, what's going on in the background, that ticket, when the ten days goes by and you don't challenge it in some way. Okay, that ticket then becomes basically something that can be used by the good old guys up there on Wall Street. It's something that's going to be traded. It's yeah. something we can play shorts on. It's you know. I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. Based upon what you said earlier, 
in theory, I guess it's a theory, but it sounds plausible. When that ticket goes in, it usually takes 10 days to get it on their uh, on their file or in their system. Couldn't you take some of the uh, Title 18 USC or, or the evidence you've discovered and mail it in to have it on file for the... Uh, couldn't you possibly be in granted you're granting them discovery here's what I'm going to ask you to give like a preemptive strike to when they read it they'll be like oh crap we better not take this to we better not pursue this you want to rephrase the question I'm not sure I fully understand it well when you I, th- I think somebody mentioned the uh, the discovery it's a formal formal discovery sometimes or formal formal uh, complaint. So, when you get, let's say you get a ticket right now, within a couple of days you can mail in the title, and you're already granting them discovery. I think on your side because I think what's happening when <clears throat> when sometimes they won't allow stuff in the court, it's because it hasn't been presented up front on your part. Like like you may have to show it to the prosecutor before you hand it to the judge as well. So can't you do a discovery on your part with your questions, showing them the titles that they're violating? And when they read it, they'll be like, oh, crap. This is what I think you're trying to get at is the you put in what's called a counter complaint. A counter complaint. And then you can cause, because you have a counter complaint in, you can then cause discovery because you have a counter complaint. And you're when you, yeah, you're the first one yeah, instead of waiting until it gets to court. Strategic wise, that would be a brilliant move if you're all prepared and ready, and have a counter complaint all ready to go. Which is where that, that that now I know somebody who do, um, who was it who does it. He actually walks into court and says, "I have a superior claim." Or actually, he says, no, I have mine. Well, first of all, okay, it's just like a motion. Before you go to trial, the court must address every motion. That's what we were trying to do here. That's why we filed that motion, because that motion must be addressed first before the court can go any further. So every motion that comes up must be addressed. You, you put a stop to it. That's why you want to learn your different motions. Like in this particular case, um, and I really wish I could have helped. And they knew this. They knew this, that they could screw her because she didn't know all the details. And what it was, she missed her opportunity because once she needed to ask, okay, there is nothing on the record. Does the prosecutor wish to challenge anything in that motion, any of the facts in that motion, and, uh, and allow them an opportunity to challenge it. And you say there's nothing on the record that indicates they've challenged anything or addressed anything within that motion. And the reason for that is because when they don't, you say, well, then there's nothing in controversy. Therefore, I move for summary judgment on my motion. Well, and now well, I've got a clause. It's going to be that fast. It's going to be that I'm, quick. I'm trying to simplify it from my understanding. Let me give you an example. Like when you go to court, their codes are derived from a higher source, if you will. Now, sometimes their codes will just say motor vehicle. You could argue motor vehicle 24-7. There's no unambiguous definition per se. But if you were to throw in that title 18 or USC 18, where it says the activity of such motor vehicle, I think that right there would be a good weapon to have it on the 
on the record before it goes there because that would force them to to show the witness for the cop to prove that you were engaged in a commercial activity, even though you weren't. He couldn't prove it. They can only go well, by their little simple code. Well, there, you would, well, okay, but there, again, that would be part of the process. You'd file it as a, um, probably you'd make a judicial notice out of it. That's the only way I know to do it. Is you file as a you you require the court to take judicial notice of the fact that the definition is to be found here and here, and in this in that's what we should have done as well. We should have filed judicial notice. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things we didn't do, but again, we weren't there to necessarily win the case at this level. You know, basically what this this case was about was allowing her to be basically raped, abused, and beat up by the very people that are obligated and duty-bound to ensure that she has the equal protections of the law, which clearly means that we have the elements necessary to show that there was a color of law activity. And it was clearly intentional. Because you can see how every time she made a, 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 an objection, it was denied, and every time the prosecutor made an objection, it was granted. And then the judge went and did things without even needing or requiring an objection or motion from the from the prostitutor. So there's clearly a collusion going on there, as well as, like I said, the most important one is misleading the jury. And she misled the jury so profoundly um, by telling them that they were to find her guilty of speeding when they you know, it doesn't exist. I mean, to me, it's just like, you know, they just shot herself in the foot right there. Um, and... and um, so, you know, that we, we've got more to learn. Virginia is, is a nasty little state. It's a commonwealth, so it works different. And I should have known that. I was I lived in it before. Um, you know, it's 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 very very strange place. But anyway, um, the lessons is what we're sharing with you, what, what worked and what didn't. I want to share one other little positive here. I don't know if I shared this with you before. I shared it, you know, you forget all the things you shared and whether it's been on this show or, or the... Um, uh, Solutions for the Innocent, or um, I'm sorry, um, the American Reconstruction Project. Um, but I do, I've shared it before, and it goes like this. It took me a long, long time. So this is something that's huge, and I now have confirmation on it. Um, I kept trying to figure out how can we stop this, because for a couple of years, I kept getting pounded. I was even thrown into jail for a little while for contempt of court when I kept trying to make my point. And that's their thing. If the guys with the guns threaten you and you continue, the judge says, oh, I'm going to hold you in contempt of court. All right. Now, that's, their, that's the way to threaten you and intimidate you. Um, which, by the way, if I haven't mentioned it, I'll say it again. If you're ever in court and you feel threatened and intimidated, say, I'm feeling threatened and intimidated because I backed down about five guys with their hands on the guns coming at me hard. And I said, I feel, I, I said, for the record, I said, since the record doesn't have eyes, I said, let me say that I feel threatened and intimidated by three men to my right and two men to my left that are armed and dangerous and look at me with, uh, with, with, uh, with uh, violence. And the judge immediately sat there and said, oh, they're here to protect me. I said, protect you from what? I said, I'm not offering any threat to you. I said, I don't have any weapons on me. I feel threatened and intimidated. And, man, as fast as they came, they disappeared. So that's a little ditty. So here's a little ditty. When they say, uh, if you keep it up, I'm gonna, it's a threat. If you keep it up, I'm going to hold you contempt of court. And what you say is, and it took me a long time, it was so sweet, so simple, and it does work. It worked for me. It's now worked the second time. I'll tell you the quick story. 
May the court, you've got to remember the first part, all right? I'll tell you what. May the court forgive me no ill intent. The first part is the key. The Spirit had me say the second half. May the court forgive me no ill intent. Now, why? The logic behind that is how can I be in contempt if I'm asking you for forgiveness? It's an impossibility. that not cannot continue. And notice I don't I don't say, well, judge, forgive me. No, because the judge isn't holding me in contempt. The judge is holding you in contempt of court. So I say, may the court forgive me. No ill intent. Now the no ill intent I didn't come up with. That was spirit on the spur of the moment. So the other day we were there, we we're sitting there with all the other moves and they're separating us out as to which room we're gonna get scalped in. And who's going to get the the jury scalping and who's going to get the judge scalping and put them off in separate rooms. And there was one which was a contempt of court charge. And I thought, what the hell? What the hell? You know, everything's an experiment. So I slid down there. It was a young man. And I said, I understand you're being held in contempt of court. He goes, yeah. And I said, well, try this. It may work. I said, make that statement. May the, I said, may I address the court? You want to say, may I address the court? And he says, yes, I, may the court forgive me, no ill intent. I happened to be sitting there um, when he got up there, and he forgot the first part. And he remembered the second part. And he said, well, there was no ill intent. Now, here's what's funny. There's a lot to this, little, a few little things in the story here. He was being held contempt of court for taking a picture of the courthouse. What? I don't know if you guys watched uh, Jeff Dunham. If you haven't seen Jeff Dunham, tar- go to YouTube and type in Jeff Dunham. Peanut. Uh, he's my favorite character. What? He does this cute little voice thing. Anyway, if your hair, if your hair is not standing on the back of your head, going what? How can you be held in contempt of court for taking a picture of the court building? Court building is supposed to be a public building. It's supposed to be the people's building. Why on earth would they not want you to take a picture of the building? This doesn't make any sense. And then they're holding in contempt of court. I thought that was fascinating. I think it's an additive to show you that these are private corporation businesses. And that's why they can make the rules. And that's why you're searched. In fact, when I confronted him again, which I always do, the deputy sheriff comes out there and he said that, I said, this is an unlawful search and seizure. Do you have a warrant? Because we don't need a warrant. I said, yes, you do. The law says you do. Well, the head judge says that anyone, you've got to go through this. And I said, well, what's the head judge got to do with the law? He said, you don't like it, you can leave. And I said, that's because this is a corporation building, isn't it? And he confirmed it. So here, here's, here's at least one guy, and there was other people. You find some of the honorable ones who don't know what's going on, and they're honorable. Like I, I actually met somebody who was. And then you have those that don't give a damn. It's my job, and I don't care. You don't like it, get out of here. So he clearly knew what he was doing, um, which proves that because otherwise they couldn't search and seize you without a warrant. So he gets up there and he fails He fails to say the first part, which is may the court forgive me, but he does say no ill intent. And apparently that was enough to box the judge in. The judge says, well, what we're going to do is we're going to have it taken off. The, and he says, I want, I want a uh, an officer to erase it off of the off of the phone and, and I want you to, to write me a one-page document about, uh, about um, respecting the law, uh, and then I'll see you in two weeks. So basically what he did is he let the kid off, 
And I believe that that had a, it boxed him in a little bit enough to cause him not to hold him in contempt and fine him. You can't fine him because he said no ill intent. There's no ill intent. There can't be a fine. Just imagine how powerful it would have been if he had said, may the court forgive me. Okay? So I'm sharing that with you because if you ever get caught in that position, just remember that. May the court forgive me no ill intent. Very powerful. The first time I used it on a judge that had been railroading me for like the last three years on, on, on foreclosure, um, and he was like, oh, you keep down, oh, you keep down the court. I just, I pulled it out. I said, well, may the court forgive me no ill intent. And this man was like scrambling all, and he never moves. The guy never moves. This time he was moving all over his desk, looking, lifting papers, and he was trying to figure out where's the script for that. They don't have a script for that, which tells you that they have a script. Okay? These people have a script. And when you go and do something, they report back and they come up with, they have people that do nothing but strategize to create scripts and I'm they sorry. spread out to these judges. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Excuse me. They're not people. They're persons. I just wanted to. Oh, sorry. thank you. You're absolutely right. These persons. Well, they're people acting as persons in their different personas um, in, in that sense. But in the, in, you're absolutely right. In the, in the capacity that they're in right then, they're persons. Well, I wouldn't even call. I wouldn't even compliment them by saying that. Um, but these persons are acting. Um, they know what's going on, and and uh, some of this stuff is is you know it, it, it's it's interesting to to see how it does work. So that's a couple little uh, a couple little jewels there. Um, I was expecting Luella to be back by now, but Luella, are you still on? And do you want to say some more about what you you want to wait till you get back, or so you can be clear or what? I am almost home, but I need to do. I I'm sorry I jumped in, but uh, the only reason I corrected you on the person and the people because I remember when I made my closing statement, I made a few mistakes calling. You know, when you when you're speaking in their language or in the law language, you have to be precise. Otherwise, I shot myself in the foot, and like I made a huge mistake calling myself a driver, saying I was driving. And also, you know, when I was referring to myself, I would say something like, well, I wasn't that person. And that's like, you know, the very thing we're challenging is we're not persons. We are one of the people. We we have to be diligent and remember that. Otherwise, they can use it against us. And I just wanted to point it out. That's why when you say these people, and I'm like, okay, okay, you got to think about we're going to be people, we're going to be men and women and not persons. So just wanted, uh, but I, I wanted to um, uh, sit down before I talk again if you want me to. <laughs> I'm going to jump off and let you guys talk for a minute. I'll be back in like 20 minutes. You know, all right, all right. But that was, that was absolutely perfect. You see how she's now, after that um, whipping, I guess you would call it, that lesson. Uh, she's much, much more alert now, much stronger. Um, she's one of these people that, I, you know, I guess that's why you know, we're together because she has the tenacity to stick it out until, like, pretty close. It was like four, from 10 o'clock until 4 o'clock. Um, and now she's even more determined. Most people would have long since given up. Oh, I have a guy in Pennsylvania that 
He's got them by the balls. I mean, literally, we've got them by the balls. You wouldn't believe. I mean, it's just so upsetting to me, and he's giving up. And he's actually going to pay them $400 to go away. I couldn't believe it. Um, and, and I'm just thankful that here's somebody who's actually been to court, got her ass handed to her uh, over and over and over again throughout the day, was, you know, bludgeoned, beat up, tricked, fooled, uh, and just kept on, you know, going after it and going after it and going after it. And now you would think, okay, you, you got your ass handed to you. She's like, no, hell no. I'm t- I don't like to lose. I'm going after them. It's not about the money. I'm just, I'm going after them, and and that's really encouraging. And and I and I suggest that other people dig deep and find that part of you that says, you know, screw you. Uh, you know, I know what you're doing is wrong. I've read the codes. I've read the statute, and 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 and, and I'm going to learn your game and beat you at it because that's what's kept me going for six years, um, and that's what's kept me on, you know, coming on this show and coming on the other shows to share with people. Uh, and now we're seeing a little bit of fruit. So. You know, hang on to that tenacity. Keep it going because, look, you can always go back to being a slave. You can always go back to being a bootlicker. You can always go back to being a sheeple, a sleeple, okay? You can always go back to kissing somebody else's butt. I mean, you can always go back to being a taxpayer, uh, you know, which even though you're lawfully not a taxpayer, but you can call yourself one of those persons if you want. You can call yourself any one of the persons that you're, you know, you as an employee or an officer, an agent of the state. Go ahead. You can always go back to that. You see what I'm getting at? You can always, it's like if you've ever had your own business, the, the thing that kept me going all these years in doing my own business, oh, my God, if anyone's ever had your own business, it's a totally different nightmare. You've got to now deal with employees that are trying to get to work barely on time, if they make it on time at all, and they're going to try to get done the least amount that they have to get done in order to get paid so they don't get fired. Now, all of a sudden, you're on the other side of this thing. You've got a limited budget. You've got to try to get something done in a short amount of time, get it done right, and please the customer so that you can get paid because it's coming out of your pocket right now to pay your crew. Not to mention all the stuff that they do on the side and, and how they screw jobs up and blah, 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 blah. And I tell you, man, if you've never had your own business, do it for an educational purpose, Okay. And Vince will tell you he's been doing, you know, he's been doing his own private business because he's been doing trading, and and I understand he's very good at it. So if anyone wants to know how to trade, I would suggest hook it up with him because he's real good at it, and he and he's going to teach you how to do it first. Um, uh, I actually may hook up with him doing that later on, but I think this is more lucrative once once I get I got this is where my investments at right now. But my point is is, you know, I don't know how many employees he's had. But once you have, go do, I don't care, you know, go down and get the, get the foreigners at 7-Eleven and, and you hire them. You know, hire two or three of them to do your gardening or something. Just get a couple hundred bucks together and find a job that needs to be done and hire people. Your whole perspective in life will change. It's so different. And it, it, it's the same thing in going to court. You know, the first thing Luella said is, man, I'll tell you what, I got more of an education today than most of these, than these uh, um, um, lawyers get by going to college for four or five years because it's the real deal. It's the real thing. And what we're doing is sharing this education here so that, so that people can have it. Some people are going to say, well, I'm going to go to the, this is all the more reason for me to go to that common law stuff that Lentz is talking about. I don't disagree with that. I think you should. If he would share the information from A to Z, rock and roll. You know, if you find a, you know, 
common law for dummies. You know, the booklet for two or three bucks, I can afford that. Maybe even 20 bucks. If it comes with a CD, I might even pay 40 bucks. So that's about all the money I got. Okay? I mean, that's literally it. And most of the people that I know, you know, I started off with, what, almost $2 million worth of property in over six years. I got nothing. I'm on food stamps now. This is what the system does to you. They will bleed you. They will abuse you. They will injure you. Uh, they will harm you. Okay? They will do all of that stuff until you have nothing left. Nothing left. You heard Vince's story. Hey, just by listening to the show a couple times and doing some reading, he saved 300 bucks, And he's going to probably get it done just as good as the attorneys would do. This is what it's, this, you know, if you want to put it in money terms. And think about this. He's got two tickets since, which he's going to use similar stuff. And every ticket that he has and people that he knows would be able to share. So now this becomes uh, uh, bigger and bigger. He's going to be saving money each and every time. As far as I'm concerned, if we can put the attorneys out of business, think how the world would change. If everyone was going in there, pro se, pro se, pro se, pro se, which I don't believe in pro se. I think we're here in persona, pro uh, persona, whatever, however you pronounce it. You're going in as your own man, your own woman, okay? You're not going in there as a as a honorary professional, which is really what pro se means, okay? Um, and they'll tell you that. Well, you're expected to know. And, and you know, there's people who say, well, you need to say, I don't know. I don't know anything. I don't understand anything. And there's people who play that game and do that game, and it works for them. I'm just sharing what, what I believe. Uh, not just, I'm not trying to get by. I'm not trying to get over and I'm not trying to make things go away. That's the first thing anytime I'm speaking, I'm sharing with you with what I believe are techniques, useful information as to how to go after these people so that we can make a difference, so that we can make a change, so that other innocent people are not being abused and raped, so that our children, our grandchildren will have a place that they can live in so that we can stand up and say, no, this is ours. This is not yours. You are our public servants, not the other way around. And these people are criminals. These are criminal enterprises. No other way to look at it. Okay? That's, that's where I'm coming from. If all you wanted to do is to go away, from what I understand, you can go into court and go, uh, I'm an idiot. That's all you got to say. I'm an idiot. And as an idiot... If you go look up the definition of idiot, it means you don't understand anything, you don't have any knowledge, and you now basically become a ward of the state. So if you're a complete idiot, they can't charge you anyway. If they can't charge an idiot, they can't hold you accountable to make payment as a surety because there's no way you can be surety and you sh for anything if you're an idiot. So I've heard people doing that. And, and maybe you want to have them on the show for people who like being idiots. You know, I mean, hey, it's a great way of going. It's short, sweet. This is much more painful. But we're, I'm not here, and I don't believe Luella is, and I don't think some of the other people here are. We want to understand it because we want to make a difference. We want to be able to go down and sue these people and say, you can't do this anymore. Not to me, not to my brother, not to my sister, not to my children, my grandchildren. We are going to bring the law because the law is our law, and we're going to use it on you because that's what it was meant to be used on. That's just that. And that's where I'm coming from. Otherwise, uh -huh. I wouldn't waste all my time and effort and energy. I'd be just, I'd be just go pay the damn ticket and move on like everybody else does. Uh -huh. 
What is that saying you, you've said a few times, and I haven't got it down yet, but you were saying when it's no longer profitable? Uh, yes. My motto is this, and, and this comes from, from me finally backing off and realizing we can't throw them in jail yet. When corruption no longer is profitable, remember, they're doing all this for money. They're doing this for profit, and profit means power. When corruption is no longer profitable, it will cease along with its influence. So in other words, when there's no longer enough money to go around because of the profits that are being made to pay off the judges, to pay off these people, to pay off this guy, the senators and congressmen and all these other criminals out there, all of a sudden, they will be abandoned. Trust me. When these people can't hold on to their jobs anymore, that's why I say don't go after the judge, don't go after that officer, don't go, go after the state, the principal. The state has to pay out four or five million dollars, even if it's a hundred thousand, even if it's ten thousand, even if it's a thousand. That's why the guys, if you go on the websites called um, uh, "What Lies in Your Debt," okay, what lies in your debt com. Um, they've got a great system under under Tilla. Um, what is it? Uh, 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 God, I forgot all the titles here. These, these things. Um, Fair Debt Collection, FDCPA, Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff that they use that are federally, and they win 99% of the time, and they have students. I think that's, if I was to recommend, I would say go study their stuff and go bring an action. you got nothing to lose. It's a federal case, um, and they, people win 99% of the time. If you're getting phone calls, if you're getting letters, if you're getting anything from debt collectors, the first thing you have to do to lay the foundation is to do a debt dispute letter. The first thing you've got to do. The moment you do that, everything after that that is unlawful, they, you get $1,000 for every one of them. And there are people getting one, two, three, four, five, ten, twenty thousand. The last one, I think, was $30,000 because he could show... All of the times that they made the phone calls, all of the times that they, um, that they, uh, hold on one second. Um, all of the times that, that they did, uh, did all of the, um, uh, whatever it was they weren't supposed to do. And boom, 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 it's one, two, three, one, two, three. It's a, it's a cookie cutter. He's got it down to a cookie cutter to how to do it. And and it's a, I'm going to be studying it again because I'm going to be going to federal court. It will give me a good outline. You know, these are winners. I'm interested in being a winner because I believe, as many other people do, the only thing we have going for us right now is to make it cost them. And when it no longer is profitable, it will cease. If you go look at all the settlements on these foreclosures, if you go look at all the stuff that the, the Congress and government and everybody's done, you will see it is a drop in the bucket. You know, Bank of America uh, does a consent order. Without admitting to any guilt, they do a consent order for $180 million. No, it was $180 billion. You think that's a lot because to you, $180 billion, wow, that's a lot of money. Let me tell you what. How, what percentage is 180 billion to 300 trillion? Uh, what percentage is 180 billion to 300 trillion? My math isn't that good. 
<laughs> Let's put it this way. They're still making a lot of money. This is called the cost in their mind. It's called the cost of doing business. You don't stop your business just because you get fined $1,000 if you're making $10,000 a day. Would you stop your business? Hell no. You chalk it off to, you know, cost of doing business. And that's just what they do. That's exactly how they look at it. It's just little annoying flies that they have to go get and, and, and spend a, a few bucks on some fly paper. To them, that's what it is. Exactly. To them, that's what it is. We're just a, a minor annoyance. They get into a little bit of trouble, like, oh, okay, well, we'll go ahead and concede to $120 billion. And when you find out where that money goes, 80% of it goes to attorneys that are all in on it anyway, and only less than 20% goes to the people. Are you kidding me? $540,000 house that I had in Silver Spring, and I fought on that one for a while, and everything ended up coming out on another suit in a class action, and I got like five hundred. I think I got five hundred. What was it? One thousand two hundred fifty dollars. Well, thank you very much, and didn't even get an apology. And oh, oh, that's right. I no longer have my house. I'm out $540,000 plus my house, plus my dignity, and everything that, all the ramifications that came from that, all of the harm, and I get, five, I get what, $1,200 or something like that? It's ridiculous. So, yeah. but there's more of us than there are them. And if we go after them every single time they do this, I mean, even this trial, she's paying, I think, total. She would have had to pay two hundred. So she says the only additional cost was actually five hundred, well, four hundred and eighty dollars, something like that. Five thirty-seven, and that's about the cost of taking the course one one semester class in law. And you wouldn't learn nearly as much as she learned in that one damn day, and the days leading up to what she's doing now. So, um, you know, what is the cost? What is your freedom worth? And what are the ramifications? It costs them a shitload more. I can guarantee you that much. And the jury that was there, they were annoyed. They didn't like it. But we actually, a little caveat, we met one of the jurors outside. And she still wasn't. She said, well, I couldn't get it. Because I asked her, I said, well, you know, can, you know, what was it that you didn't understand? She said, well, I didn't understand what you were saying. I didn't understand what you were trying to get at. It's a speeding ticket, right? And she said, you were speeding, weren't you? And I said, that's not the issue. The issue was you in violation of a statute or a code of a law. Well, if you were speeding, you were speeding. You got to pay the ticket, right? So what Luella learned from that was like, oh, okay. Now I understand why Colin practices on complete strangers all the time. Because you have to learn how to lay a foundation. And if you listen to what's changed from... My show, then coming here to your show, was I lay a foundation that I never laid down before, which is that these are ours. Because I realize the difference that makes the difference is when the people can recognize and take, take possession of that which is already theirs, that this is our laws, and that these laws do make sense if applied in the right manner. And once you recognize that these are our laws, that they're misusing. 
They're abusing them. They're misusing them, misapplying them. I don't use the word apply for a reason. You don't ever want to say, it doesn't apply to me. Never say that to a jury or to a judge or anyone else. What you want to do is show that that activity was engaged in. And you want to regulate your corporations. You want to regulate commerce. You want to regulate those businesses that are making money by either being on highway or using the air or anything. It makes perfect sense. You don't want to get rid of them. We don't want to, you know, uh, uh, get rid of those things that we have that, that, that protect us. What we want is to stop these criminals from misusing them. And you can't do that if you don't know what it is that they are allowed to do, what they're authorized to do, and thus you now know what they're authorized, that they're not authorized to do, which is everything else. If they're not specifically authorized to do it, then they're specifically not authorized to do it, which means if they do it, it's unlawful. That which is not expressly included is expressly excluded. And we've been doing a lot, a lot on this, on the traveling and a lot on the statutes, a lot on the codes. And the reason that I've been doing that is because when you understand that the same laws or rule apply, okay, to contracts, it's all based in contract law, which goes to taxes, which goes to foreclosures because you have a note and a deed of trust. And they are breaching them. They are enforcing law that does not exist. It's the one thing that is in common to all of these. Your deed of trust does not secure the note. And you cannot show me anywhere where it does secure the note. I can show you where it says it secures the debt evidenced by the note. So what is it securing? The debt evidenced by the note. Is it securing debt? No. It's securing debt evidenced by the note. So you must have the note, not a copy of the note. And who can do a foreclosure? The lender at its option. There's no provision for lender and or assigns in there. Therefore, it's not provided for. Is there any provision in the note for an assignment of the note? Nope. So anytime they say they show on the record that there's an assignment of the note or the deed of trust, you can say, okay, it's dead. They just breached it. There's no provision. There is a provision that says, that the lender or anyone who takes this by transfer and is entitled to payments on the note shall be called the note holder. So when they come in there as the holder of the note, you know that they're not the note holder, which is the only provision in the note. It doesn't say shall be called the note holder, holder of the note, or uh, a holder in due course. It doesn't say any of that. That's under UCC3. That's not in here. It doesn't refer to UCC3. It doesn't say, oh, for these purposes, UCC3 shall, so, shall be sufficient. And how do I know this? Because there's a section on the foreclosure sale of the actual sale of the property. It says right in there, in accordance with local rules. And sometimes it'll say in accordance with local customs. So it's referring to when, when there is a provision in the contract which refers to the law, for that particular section, then you can refer to the law in that particular section, but not for any of the other sections. That is the law that stands, just like the law, the code, the statute. Is it properly enacted? Well, what does enacted mean? Well, does that mean that the people said yes? Did the people agree to it? Yes. Does it make sense? And who's it for? 
Again, it can't be for the people. Do I have the power to regulate you to travel? No. What if ten of us got together and said, oh, I want to regulate their travel? No. It's only the things that are creations of the state. The people want those creations, those permits, those special activities, which are usually for profit, to be regulated. It only makes perfect sense. And you need to lay that foundation anytime you're going to talk to a jury. A judge is, even if you can explain it to the judge, and this judge seemed to be getting some of it, the judge is, is part of the system themselves. And even if you can convince them, which I've done, and showed it and laid it out, they're still going to go against you because they're required to and their job relies on them. So it's almost impossible to hold a judge's feet to the fire, which is why I suggest what we do is have a bigger game, you know, and that is to go ahead and gather the evidence necessary to bring a charge, excuse me, a claim against the principle, which is the state. And, and invariably, when you win a, uh, bringing a claim for whether it's 100000 or 10000 or a million, whatever it is, invariably, those public servants are out of a job fairly quickly. So things tend to take care of themselves. So anybody got any questions? Luella, I've got one. Go ahead. Um, that which is not included is excluded. We had a big, people here will know who Jeffrey is. We had a big argument with Jeffrey the other night. What's the reference for that? Um, I would go to Google Scholar, and I would type it in and find some case law that I've actually read it. Um, okay. It might not be in that exact terms. Those are my my words. That which is, I've heard it said that which is not expressly included is expressly excluded. I may have added a little bit in there. My definition, for instance, my definition of contract, which is my definition that includes all of my studies of contract law is the following. A lawful, a, a lawful, mutually beneficial agreement between two or more people. Very precise. A lawful has to be lawful, and the reason is, uh, if you, if, quote unquote, if you have a drug deal, it's not lawful because that's the law says that you can't have a drug deal. Okay, now we're not going to get into discussion whether I believe in drugs should be legal or not legal. I'm just giving you an example you can get your head wrapped around. And that goes to capacity. If if, if the other party doesn't have capacity because they're engaged in a criminal act, they don't have capacity. So the court never had jurisdiction. So it's the same thing. So it must be lawful. It also must be mutually beneficial. In my common common law, one word, way I define it, a mutual blessing. That's how I define it in, the, in, in my common law language, a mutual blessing. In legal language, I phrase it a mutually beneficial agreement between two or more people because only men can have a meeting of the mind. This is based on what you'll find if you type in meeting of the minds, you'll find that uh, lots of case law on meeting of the minds. That the contract, that the reason that the contract was not valid because there was no meeting of the minds. 
Now, this is hugely important. Now, the way Hale versus Hinkle lays it out, it says the, the, the man's right, excuse me, not right, his power to, to let me see if I can memorize it, the power, his, no, 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 let me, I got it here. Hold on, let me read it. It makes more sense to me. Fudging it up. Excuse my language. But here we go. Where'd you go? Where'd you go? Come here. Page 74. Oh, there you are. All right, here we go. He is entitled to carry on his private business in his own way. His power to contract is unlimited. That's a whole sentence unto itself. His power to contract is unlimited. Now, I'm going to skip down and say here, upon the other hand, the corporation is a creature of the state. It is presumed to be incorporated for the benefit of the public. It receives certain special privileges and franchises and holds them subject to the laws of the state and the limitations of its charter. Its powers are limited by law. It can make no contract not authorized by its charter. So you see the comparison there? Yeah. Our, our power, or a man's power, to contract is unlimited. Their power to contract is limited to their charter. And that's where I'm going after these courts. The courts are contracting where they don't have the power to contract. They're not being granted to, car- to create these contracts that they're creating. There's no authority for even a lawful court, whether it's corporate or otherwise, to enforce contract that is not written. It's not in there. I I didn't have a contract with you to build your front and a back patio and to do any roofing or dig a ditch. Not in the contract. We have a contract to build your front patio. Not an overhang, just a patio. And that's condition proceeding upon you paying one-third down. You didn't pay the one-third down. Is it mutually beneficial? Yeah. You get a patio, I get paid. Is it, an, is it an agreement? Yes, because it's a meeting of minds. You, you wanted it. I wanted I wanted to get paid. You wanted a patio. We came to an agreement. Is it lawful? Yes. You own the house. It's your house. I own my tools and I can do the work. Okay. It has all the elements necessary. But you can't turn around and go into court and sue me for not doing the patio if you haven't fulfilled your obligation proceeding, which is to get one-third down. And you sure as hell can't sue me for not building you a back patio because guess what? That which is not expressly included is excluded. It's not in the contract. There was no uh, uh, um, mutual benefit. If I build you a back, where is the the um, a consideration? There has to be consideration. It's the same thing with these mortgages. You're giving them a deed of trust. The deed of trust is like a fire extinguisher. It's supposed to sit on the wall dormant until an emergency comes up and it needs to be used. And you're sitting there selling the fire extinguisher as a, as a piece of art. That's what they're doing with these mortgages when they put them in the servicing and bullying agreement. They're using them as an underlying asset. There's no provision in the deed of trust for the, the res, the property, to be used as an asset. It's there only as a security. It says it right there. 
This deed of trust secures the debt evidenced by the note. Nowhere does it say, this deed secures the evidence. And in the meantime, until it's needed, we could go ahead and use it as an asset for investors to invest in or for bonds to be made. It doesn't say that. Because if you knew you could do that, you'd probably do that. You wouldn't need a loan. You just sit there and go to an investment company and say, hey, guess what? I got a $300,000 piece of property. I want you to go ahead and make a bond on that $300,000. I'll give you a, 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 a conditional title to the property. And I want the $300,000 to create the bond. I'm going to sell pieces to that bond to investors and get the $300,000. Works for me. The, the investors get their money hidden from taxes. And I'm going to pay a little bit of interest, and that's it. I'm done. Why the hell would you go get a loan if you could do that? That's the whole point. Because we're always the creditors. We're the one who's got the res. But wait a minute. I was buying the house. I can't buy the house with a loan. No, that's not true at all. You're not buying a house. You never buy a house unless you're paying cash. What you did was you created a contract to purchase a house. And when you made that contract to purchase the house with a seller, and the seller and you had a meeting of the minds, you came to an agreement, you signed the agreement, that house is yours by contract. You own it. And you owe him that money. So you go out and get what you think is a loan. And if this weren't true, if you didn't own the house, how come you can put it into a deed of trust? It says right there, I believe it's line two says that you promise that you are lawfully seized at the property, which means you're, you are lawfully seized at the property. It's yours. You own it. You have right title and interest to it. You could put it into the, into the, into the deed of trust. If, or the, or real, um, the, the mortgage is the same thing as a deed of trust. Basically, it's the two combined. Mortgage is the two combined. How can you put it in there if it's not yours? Already was yours. So the... the, the I actually did a phone call on this to to a banker one time. I said, hey, what did you give me in return for my loan? I mean, excuse me, what did you give me in return for my note? Well, we gave you the property. No, you didn't. Yes, we did. No, we didn't. I already owned the property in this particular case anyway for over two years. I already knew that was was true in this particular case. I don't think I've ever bought a piece of property through a loan. Maybe once. But anyway, the point was, I said, what would you give me and listen to my phrasing? What did you give me in return for? My note. Well, we gave you the property. No, you didn't. Yes, we didn't. We didn't. Hold on a minute. Did you ever own the property? No. Well, then how the hell could you give me something you didn't know? Dead silence. Later on, I go in person. I bought somebody who was going to buy out my loan, my alleged loan. Even though I knew that they hadn't made a loan, I was like, ah, the hell with it. It was $50,000. No big deal. The guy was going to take over the project. Somebody burned my house down. It's a long story. Anyway, so... Um, Can I butt in? Yeah. <laughs> um, somebody put on uh, uh, Skype here for me. The inconclusion of one is the exclusion of another. The certain destination of one person is an absolute exclusion, exclusion of all others. This doctrine t- degree decrees that where law expressly describes particular situations to which it shall apply, an irrefutable inference must be drawn that what is omitted or excluded was intended to be 
omitted or excluded. Does that make that, sense? That's from it. Hinkle? Yeah, what that, case law is that? I remember reading that. What case is law from? Bad I don't know. Um, he's got oh, no, some words here that's almost in another language. Inclusio unisis est. Latin. That, yeah, that's under a definition, but you'll find that in a Supreme Court case, and I cannot think of the name of it right now. I just... I didn't expect to go there tonight as part of the reason why I wasn't prepped for that. Um, oh, but again, all you got to do is go to Google search. I mean, Google, excuse me, Google Scholar. Actually, it's scholar.google.com. And then it'll open up and you look for case law. You can find articles. I always go to case law. And you can type in a, a, a portion of that phrase. Mm-hmm. For instance, the one phrase I love a lot that I, I keep typing in and trying to find it, and and it's there. I've got it now in, in my files. Is the one that says they cannot war against the Constitution without first um, um, breaching their ob- what was it breaching their uh, undertaking to support it. That was the key word. Undertaking to support it. That's case law. It says it right there. So when these people violate the Constitution in any way, they've already breached their contract, is what they're saying, because they have, they've already got a contract to support it. You can't breach something you've already sworn an oath to support. That same principle goes over to the deed of trust. How on earth can a trustee do a foreclosure? Can't. Or go take what he just said. The lender... The fact that it does not say lender in the signs does what? Excludes anybody else. It does not say lender in the signs. It doesn't say the lender or the trustee. The lender at its option may do the foreclosure, may proceed with the foreclosure. Nobody else. So how is it possible? Again, you go look at the deed of trust. The deed of trust, there's a provision. The title of it is substitute trustee or substitution of trustee. But in the meat of it, it says that it shall be a successor trustee. And it uses the term two times, I believe, if not three times in the, in the instructions. After first removing the original trustee, and then it must, they must appoint a successor trustee. Two, six, and listen to how it says. And this is off the top of my head, so it's not verbatim right now, but pretty close. And they shall succeed in all of the obligations and powers and so forth that the original trustee had. So they're telling you with all those words that a successor trustee takes on all of the obligations as well as the powers that come with it, which is why there must be a transfer, why there must be an appointment of a successor. Again, the difference between a substitute and a successor. Can a substitute teacher give you a final grade? No, only a successor trustee. It's that simple. So... How is it possible that, and and there is no provision except for the lender. The lender is the only one who can do the foreclosure. So that clearly means anybody else is excluded. And there's clearly no provision for the substitute or any trustee, the original trustee or substitute trustee, to bring a foreclosure action. So why do you keep going into court and you see substitute trustee, substitute trustee, substitute trustee is bringing the action? And it's always an attorney firm. What's that about? So that's what I mean when I say exactly what that quote is. Perfect. Thank you, So whoever put that up there. It's exactly right. Find case law on it. 
do some of those quotes. But the fact is, it's not. There's no provision in it. The same thing with statute. There is no provision in the Motor Vehicle Code, the one they're trying to enforce, without us even arguing whether it applies to us or not. Before we even get there, there is no provision within the alleged code that regulates vehicular travel of the public or one of the public. It's not there. And they don't show it. They have to show it. How could you sit there and find me or charge me with something when it's not even in the code that you're using? Before we've even established, you've established that the, the code uh, has any, is regulating the activity I'm engaged in. We haven't even got there. It's so simple when you, when, you, when you figure it out. And that's why it's so easy to stand on and go, okay, you're doing something unlawful there. But this, this, the reason I'm trying to share this with, with you in this manner is that these are not separate subjects. Uh, well, they're separate subjects, but they all have these, these similar things, these nexuses. So when you study the statutes and the provisions that's there, and by knowing what is there, you inherently know what is not there. That which is regulated is regulated. That which is not specifically regulated is not regulated. It is excluded. So when it says persons, it clearly does not mean anything but persons. And when it says public, it means the public. So when you go look up public and you find out it's only five places in the whole entire code where public, the word public is used, and each and every time, there's three times that they use it in highway and two times they use it in roadway. And in another one, in another state, they, it's actually used another time, nine times totally, because they use roundabouts. And in different states, I think there was one where they actually defined travel, no, tra- uh, traffic. In New York, I believe it was, uh, Vince and I were looking it up, traffic is defined as, uh, oh gosh, it's defined much like what you think it is, whereas in Maryland, I think it is, or Virginia, traffic is part of transporting. So here you have the same term being used differently in different states. And, and you know, yeah, the first thing you want to do is get frustrated and you well, how come there can't be uniform? Well, because they're trying to, because each state, just like if you go look up UCC, Uniform Commercial Code, almost every state, in fact, yeah, every state has adopted it. But what states do is they want to have their own little independence because they don't want to be part of the UCC and, and call it three, you know, be too, it'd be too simple, too easy for people to find it. UCC 3, 3-603, 3-306. So what do they do? Like in Florida, I know they add two numbers in front of it. That's all they do. Some states add a letter in front of it. In California, I think it's CA 3-306. So you go look it up. In Maryland, I think it's U, uh, no, they call it MCC, Maryland Commercial Code. Ooh, oh, it's now Maryland Commercial Code. No, it's not UCC with a t- different letter in front of it. No, no, okay, you're right. I mean, when you think about it, you know, the, you really understand how childish these people are. I mean, you think about it. How childish can you be? Oh, no, that's Maryland. Oh, we're, we're the ones who are in charge here. MCC is Maryland Commercial Code. No, it's not Maryland's Commercial Code. Go look it up. It's Uniform Commercial Code. Maryland didn't write it. 
You just simply adopted it, and you stuck your letter on front of it. <coughs> Stupid people. It's frustrating yourself. Clear to me that we need to come as a group. We need each other. Like, we live in Maryland. Somebody lives in Virginia, and Vince's, you know, in Florida. We, If we all know our stuff, know our codes, we can help each other a lot better. Yeah, because they are... Um, what what Vince found out is like even you know Canada, uh, still it's where you go to find it. But once you learn one, you have a grasp on the others, mm-hmm. and then you your eyes are opened up. You know what to look for, what to see, and it's become so obvious. Like, oh my God! You know, like what you heard say. You know what Vince said earlier tonight. He's like, my eyes are open. I've been awakened in a short amount of time. Okay, and then, right. yes. Oh, about Llewellyn, why didn't she come with the approach of I'm not a licensed driver to the court? Because you weren't there to tell her to do it? (laughs) (laughs) I was just wondering. uh, Did that, you know, does that sound plausible? Uh, Hello, court, I'm not a licensed driver, and then they'll have to prove it. Well, based upon what I experienced in court that day, it wouldn't have mattered. They were going to go after her for speeding, even though, I don't know if you, it sounds like you came from... Wait, wait, wait. They're not harassing Llewellyn. They're harassing a licensed driver. You, you, know, what you know what I'm getting yeah. at. They're harassing, they are harassing a licensed driver who promised not to exceed speed restrictions or whatever the hell they want to call it. Um, so they're harassing a licensed driver, all all licensed drivers that are sitting in that courtroom. So, um, you know, if you come in and say, well, if you want to come in either by affidavit before court or judicial notice, like you said, or even at the time of uh, arraignment, um, before you plead, just like, I have no idea what's going on here, I'm not a licensed driver, then that that's a total jurisdictional issue, right? Personal well, that sounds like a brilliant idea. Test it out. Let me know how it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because what what form of ID did Llewellyn show the officer? Uh, it kind of starts. Uh, you know, like most people, it was one o'clock in the morning. She's coming back from a long day. She's caught off guard. This guy with a gun. Um, you know, just pulled her over and, and stopped her freedom of travel. Says, you know, do you, have, you know, give me your driver's license. She handed it over to him. It is what most people do, knowing okay. that if you say, oh, I don't have a driver's license because I wasn't driving, they're going to take your car, tow it away, stick it in the pound, going to cost you a couple hundred dollars and ten dollars a day. You're going to end up in a jail cell for twelve to fourteen hours, you know, and, and that, just what you want to do before you meet a magistrate. The magistrate then. You get to the side. I've been through it about about eight why or ten times. Why, why would they take your car to impound? Well, because they can't leave it on the side of the highway. Well, why would they leave it on the side of the highway? Well, not like that, but because you're unlawfully in that in most states that I've been in, if you're unlawfully driving a uh, a vehicle, which they consider a, your vehicle to be a motor vehicle, uh, well, without a license, the then they can impound it. What makes it a motor vehicle? That we've already covered this. No, you're talking. You're not. You're not hearing me, brother. When you're on the road, you're talking to an idiot. 
He has no clue what the stats say. He doesn't give a shit what the stats say. He is getting paid to write you tickets, and if he arrests you, he will arrest you. What makes it a motor vehicle is because Lou Allen or you or me or Roddy Kay or Sonia, we, we waltzed our butt right down to the county and said, uh, please, please protect my car. And the state said, sure, we got to title it. And we're going to call it a motor vehicle. Do you, do, you, do you agree with that? And we all say, yes. No. Nope. And that's why they'll show oh, it already, already talked about that. A motor vehicle is defined in the code. We're interested, clearly we're interested, interested to the state. That's Hello? Why. Hello? Can, can you hear me? Yeah. Before you, you hear me? on a roll. Before you get on a roll, motor vehicle, we've covered this, is clearly defined as something that is in, in Virginia, for instance, one I'm familiar with right now. Motor vehicle is that which is used in the transport of passengers for compensation on the highway. Did the county come out to the activity? Did the county come out to your house or Roddy's house or my house and, and just put the big sticker on the front and two uh, metal plates on it, or did we go ask them? to please classify and title our property as a commercial vehicle, a, a thing to be used in commerce upon the public highways and all this crap. No. In most cases, people under threat and intimidation are led to believe that they have to go register their vehicle and get a tag on it because if they travel or do anything on the road, uh, on the road or highways, that they will be pulled over, the car will be impounded, and all that whole scenario will happen over again because people like me, it's actually happened to, or they have a neighbor or relative that it's happened to, and that what? they're told and impounded. So under th- I'm, answering, I'm answering your question. Under threat and duress, these, well, not duress, but under threat and intimidation and oppression and misuse of, of continuous threat, that they they are going to lose their their day hours out of the day and be thrown and you know, be accosted and all the other stuff that happens. That's why but, people do it. But let me whoa 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 stop stop before you go too far before you go too far. I know you're going with this county. You know it doesn't happen before. It always happens after after we go down and beg for a privilege. Okay, dude, dude. First of all, first of all, I know where you're going with this. Okay, I've been there, done. That. Okay. Slow down, slow down. Let me let me share with you. Slow down. Oh even God. even if I went down there on my hands and knees, which is what you're proclaiming here, and stood in line and begged and pleaded, please can I have a tag on my car, and guess what is being implied here? If I ever choose to engage in some commercial activity, I've got a tag to do it. It does not mean that I must be engaged in commercial activity. Do you get it? The perjury that you were operating in a commercial fashion. If I were engaged in a commercial activity, then I would be subject to the code. But if I you weren't engaged in no on commercial activity, then that thing is subject to me. You, 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 you and I asked the state to protect our commercial activities, and that's exactly what they said. Sure, no problem. And along with that, uh, along with that uh, activity and the uh, thing involved, which would be your car, well, we're also going to say that whoever is operating or driving or whatever they want to use uh, must be licensed and trained and follow all these rules and all this crap. And we say sure, and then when we get pulled over for speeding, which isn't really 
uh, defined in any of their codes, but the court that's set up to administrate that active that uh, property and person uh, acting uh, in that capacity, the court that's set up to do that can interpret the laws that they wrote to protect that property any way they wish. So it's not the court uh, being corrupt at all. It's us um, signing away our right. Don't you think? Well, I see, Aaron, what you're saying. You, you're saying um, why doesn't Colin just go in there and his girlfriend and say, um, what makes you believe that I was driving under um, commercial law? Is that what you were saying? Well, we, we all are. Anyone with a driver's license, uh, we, we, we were not threatened or duressed or... or um, you know, march down there at the gunpoint to get a license. You know, we did it all voluntary, and, and, and there's a good reason behind it. But it's not the only way to, to live your life. Like, we, now we know that, right? We can, we can live uh, under our own liability, our own bond, our own um, responsibility. Uh, however, to do that, we have to back out slowly of all of the agreements that we have asked the state to provide for us, which is like uh, license or uh, registration for your property, title for your car, license for your activities, all this stuff. So when Llewellyn uh, and Colin went to the court or anyone goes into a traffic court um, and they maybe try to argue some, some code, it, it's all, we already agreed to, by under the penalties of perjury, to abide by all that commercial code, and uh, and they make the fines, you know, small enough that most people just pay. And, and like Colin said, we're all kind of brainwashed into the idea that we have to go get a license, and uh, all these bad things are going to happen if we don't do it. Well, that does not come from the state. That comes from our friends, family, teachers, you know, uh, people who have uh, already had a license and then threw it out the window, went and got pulled over and hauled off to jail for. You know, saying I'm not a driver when you you are clearly under your own truth said yes I am a driver and the state is there to protect that driver and so um, you know Collins kind of inferring that he's going to claim make some claim against the court for being corrupt and speeding is not a violation and all this stuff but. Um, it won't happen because they are only at, at doing what he or Llewellyn or you or me or Roddy or anyone listening or anyone you can see right now. They're only doing what we ask them to do. So are you saying okay. that uh, when one that drives down the road with plates on their car and has a driver's license and they stop us for speeding, um, can we not say, well, I wasn't driving and I'm not driving in commerce. I'm going, I'm traveling from A to B, even though you've got, well, I guess the vehicle and the plates. Um, it becomes a catch-22 of what we get ourselves into because yeah. uh, when the cop walks up, yes, they are ignorantly trained to say license, registration, insurance now, you know, basically. But but that that does not mean that's the only uh, information they they can accept that is the most common because that is what their job is to do is to go out on the highway and regulate commerce right so when 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 we hold a driver's license um, 
and they come up and say, give me your driver's license, we are right then and there admitting that we are in, engaged in a commercial activity. Right, uh, right. What if we offered some other information, such as, well, my name is this, here's my name, and, uh, you know, is there is there some sort of crime that has happened or whatever? And you're not supposed to hold court on the side of the street and all that stuff. So why don't we why don't we get a some information that is also authorized or uh, let's say accepted by the state uh, with a big old state stamp on it that the officer can accept as information to to use to see if you are involved in a commercial activity you know there's there's more than one way to uh go down the road and uh w- without testifying against ourselves that we're doing business you know but we all just hand over our license or or you know we we say something stupid like I'm I'm not doing commerce right now, and the cops just like, what are you talking about? You know, you're 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 in a vehicle with a big old state stamp on the back of it. Uh, that obviously you asked the state to protect for you and for everyone else, and uh, now you're saying that uh, you don't you don't want the state's protection, even though you begged for it. You know, it's kind of a catch twenty two. But yes, if you back out slowly. Uh, there is another way. I think the point is just because you have a plate and a license, that that gives you the opportunity to use it in commerce does not mean that you are always using it in commerce. You know, just because you're going to the store and not in commerce doesn't mean you should take your plate off and all that stuff. But that's the presumption you have to overcome the presumption. Well, so, they, I didn't. I, I, ne- I would never just take the plate off. But w- and I understand what you're what you're saying is like you know where's the line between I I am looking for state protection of limited liability by following all these laws, and now I'm not. Now I'm just going to Walmart, and, and so the the state has a a blanket blanket protection for all drivers and licensed vehicles, which just says, if you're out on the road in a licensed vehicle, you better have a license because we're out here to protect you. You know, we're out here to save you. And so it's kind of hard to argue the, uh, well, now I'm not, now I am, now I'm not. I, I understand what you mean. We should be able to do that. But why not just say, I'm not at any time? Well, that, that's the easier way to go all way or the, one way or the other. For example, they have two cars. You know, one you're going to use in commerce and one you're not. Mm-hmm. But uh, the um, but the, yeah, you should, have, you should have you have unlimited contract. You should be able to do whatever you want. But yeah, yes. I, I, I yeah, it's smarter if you never plan to, to use your car or your truck in commerce, then yeah, you should just get it totally out and get yourself totally out. Yeah. Well, I, you, I can, I can still hold a license and for, for very good purposes, such as if I go rent a U-Haul truck or if I go, uh, you know, if I, if I drive my friend's car that is licensed, titled and, and registered, you know, I want him to be protected with all the, the alleged protections of the state. But, but my car does not have to be handed, you know, handed over to the state 
and then in return I get license plates on it. It is a private car, and I don't need to put private vehicle all over it and all this crap. It's just uh, it boils down to the fact that when I am stopped, they have to prove, immediately the cop will have to prove that it is a state vehicle. It is a licensed vehicle. And maybe the guy just took the plates off. And if it's not, then he has zero jurisdiction at that moment to to uh, fine me from any administrative code, you know, as long as I didn't, you know, ram through somebody's mailbox or hit an old lady or something like that. Right. And But realistically, you're going to have to, and you guys should really, if, if you want to go this way, you should listen to Rich on Tuesday night. Um, yeah, realistically, you should take some measures to withdraw it from their system and give some sort of notice, including some sort of notice right on your car so that when the cop does walk up, you might have a uh, chance of driving away or leaving, I shouldn't say driving away. But, yeah, that can definitely be done and, and uh, can be and has been. The, the state offers uh, offers that door, that door, that exit door. It's called a surrender of title. Yes. Where exactly, exactly. They offer, they offer that form, which which what what it does is it, the state says, fine, yes, we quit claim, we 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 release our interest that you granted us. You know, when you ask for these plates, we release it back to you. Uh, however, now you're operating on your own bond. If you go out on the public highways and you crash into some some other folks that are operating commercially, you you know you you are under full liability, unlimited liability. Exactly, and that's the point. That's one of the points of this show. If you're going to go common law, then yes, you are 100% responsible. Yeah. Full liability. There's no such thing as limited liability in common law. That's exactly. called surrender of title, Aaron. Yeah, you can. There's the state offers a lot. You can surrender the driver's license, which is also a title. Uh, you can surrender uh, surrender interest. You can surrender lots of stuff to the state because um, what Colin pointed out earlier is exactly correct. The man cannot be compelled to contract or not contract, and at any time can change his mind. Just do it honorably. That's all you know. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, so they, so of course the state offers to to someone that's willing to operate. Sorry, and I mean it's a commercial term to to act under their own full liability, under their own bond. Mm-hmm. If I cause damage, I promise to fix it, and I I record a bond with the county I'm in and give notice to all the surrounding counties of the state or even the United States that if you cause damage, you promise to fix it. Uh, make it whole, you know, make someone whole or property whole or whatever. So, it, it, like, like you said, Sonia, it's, uh, we're we're pretty we're ingrained into the system, and the system is just it's it's so easy to operate in. You know, the fines and fees are going up, but they're still manageable for most folks. And oh, god damn it, I got a speeding ticket or you know all this crap. And they give you a bunch of ways out, like oh, you can take a driving course for you know, three hours and get the ticket dropped and all this stuff. They they offer lots of um, uh, solutions to, to being in the system that most folks are just, uh, you know, we're blind to it, like Colin says, the sleepers. And, um, and they operate just fine that way. Good for them. Awesome. We 
do not have to operate, or I keep using that word, we don't have to live that way. Yeah. yeah. And the, the state, the state uh, offers, and they don't offer, the, the state recognizes that fact because the state recognizes the creator of the state. Right. And they always do. So uh, any, any, but I, I just get a little frustrated when I hear Colin talking about how corrupt the, the courts are and there is some corruption. Um, I'm, oh, there's plenty. I bet, but it's uh, when we already promised to do this, that, this, that, this, that stuff we didn't even know about, and then we'd be, you know, called to task or called to to uh, stand up for uh, or face our violations, and then we say, oh, that's corrupt. You know, um, it, it the, the system is not set up to to argue a defense. It's set up to administrate a violation and collect a fee and move on. That's all they do. And and that's not corrupt because we already promised. Except can for I, this. Can I, can I defend myself just a little bit there? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. All right. The issue to me is this. I, I went exactly where you're at. I totally get it. Uh, and I would suggest to people to perhaps do that if that makes you happy. Although I have a, I had a very hard lesson. Um, a friend of mine who did all of what you're saying, and he went the whole nine yards, did the expatriation <laughs> stuff, repatriated, did all of that stuff. He even copy wrote the name and so on. They ended up killing him. Okay, so I lost a friend because of what he did. Because what ended up, and it took me a long time to figure out what happened. And I, I, we, part of our conversation was about another friend. I'm not talking about the same one. Um, this man was in Oklahoma. He's a wonderful man. Um, and I kept asking myself, why? How did, how did this happen? Why has it happened to them and not me? And what the conclusion I came to was that when you expatriate, when you remove yourself from, as you call it, their system, see, this is where we're different. I had to come to the realize and say it's not their system. It is our system that they have corrupted. And, and bear with me, bear with me. Because when you are, and this is where it took, I was scrambling like crazy when they were talking about um, separating from the union. And I said, you must not do that because the moment you do, then you, you have a state that is all by itself and you have the United States, which is surrounding your country. You're, you're now, you have a country, you've just you know, remove yourself from the United States, and now you're a country all to yourself, you're going to be an enemy of the United States. No, I believe the other way around. You want to maintain the union and, and uncorrupt it, okay? So uh, this is what I discovered has happened to people who do that. What happens is you end up becoming a country unto yourself. You have no protections whatsoever. Now, watch this. Because I am the creator because I recognize that I am the creator. We, all of us together, are the creators. And that these creations, go back to the United, go back to the, the unanimous Declaration of Independence, and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to effect their safety and happiness. Okay? So clearly it's created by the people in order to secure it. I could go through the whole nine yards of the Constitution, and I've done that a thousand times to show you that they're obligated. Okay? The judges shall be bound by the Constitution. They don't know one word of it. The corruption is this simple. 
if I choose to, I'll give you an example, a really good example. I go get a license to carry a concealed weapon. Is there any law that requires me to carry a concealed weapon? No. Is it a presumption that every time I walk anywhere out in public that I have a concealed weapon? No. Am, am I required to have a license for, that, for a concealed weapon if I am not carrying a concealed weapon? No. But if somebody happens to ask me, hey, do you happen to have a concealed weapons license? Yeah, I'm not carrying, but I got one. Are you required to drive to Walmart? You know, I understand your point, but are you required to drive to Walmart? Before no. you ask a question because... and I answer your question, let me finish my statement, please, okay? Let me finish my statement. I'm almost done. Bear with me. So from my point of view, I have a license so that when the moment, for instance, let's just say, and this has happened to me, I see somebody in a parking lot that can't get their car started, I fix their car, jump them and clean off the battery cables, and I fix their car, and it cost them, would it cost them uh, $75 to $80 for a tow truck? I just did it. They hand me $20. Now, did I get paid or compensated? Somebody might say that. But there might be, let's just say, that I happen to be a group of people that every now and then I can get a phone call, or like in Baltimore, what they do all the time, somebody stands beside the road, they hold two fingers up or some other signal, and one of the, pe one of the public will come along, and for compensation, we'll pick them up. And that's when you go look at the code, you can see that they're getting paid. But that doesn't mean, and in fact, as if you were listening to Vincent earlier, he said in the code, it says, if you're not getting paid, a, a, a business that gets paid for transporting passengers or property over the highways is on working hours, actually says this in the statute, if you're during working hours and you're not getting compensated, then you're not subject to the code. And I agree with that. I think that is proper. What matters is that when you're pulled, let's say for speeding, okay, the first thing that that police should be trained to do as a servant is to go, excuse me, ma'am, or excuse me, sir, are you engaged in the transporting of passengers or property for compensation on the highway? Yes or no? Now, obviously, if you're driving a truck and it says on the side of it, we transport unusual animals for the lowest prices, and you've got a giraffe sticking out the top, and you've got a rhinoceros in the trailer. Chances are pretty good that you're getting paid to do some sort of service over the highway. But if you're in a car, you're by yourself. You clearly don't have a passenger. You're not sitting there pulling a trailer with a bunch of stuff that looks like it's some sort of property or another, and there's no advertisement saying that you're getting paid for it then he needs to inquire and establish, are you engaged in an activity that is subject to the statute first and foremost? Again, the same thing. Before I can accuse you of murder, I first have to establish that a murder was engaged in. The notice, the notice for the officer is right on the back of your car. It's got a big old name called the state on it with a bunch of stupid numbers. That's the notice the activity you're involved in. No, no, that's just notice that I am licensed and the vehicle is also licensed to engage in that activity should I choose to. I have, I have a point. I have a point. Aren't we supposed to be secure in our person if we choose to have a driver's license and a car with the plates on it um, and we're, we're just traveling? We're, 
should be secure in our person also, right? So we should be able to have a driver's license and a and and a plate on our car and yet not not be in commerce. So we should be able to fight that. Yeah, I see your point. I'm seeing your point now, Colin. Two thumbs up is exactly what I'm saying. You have the right to be secure in your persons as well. Your persons, your houses, your papers, and effects. Those are your papers. You have the right to be secure in them. And you have the right to be secure in your property and your effects. And you're exactly what I'm saying. Thank you so much. You said it so much better than me. Well, you're just putting all the pieces together, isn't it? When, Tonya, when, when I um, offer to change to... When I offer to act in a certain way that is recognized by something called the state, which is uh, exists to protect the public, protect the people. When I when I offer to act a certain way, and I I say I am this person, and the state says, okay, this person acts like this, um, and we we will also protect you. So if you follow all these laws and regulations and rules, and something bad happens, as long as you're following the rules, you're not liable. Okay, that's the trade-off. Is I promise to act a certain way, and they say, okay, as long as you do that, you won't be liable. So that's the I person. Need to, I, I need to interrupt for a quick second. You said that the state is created to protect the public. No. If you look back, it says that to secure these rights. Okay, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. It's the rights, and that's why you can say the one law that we live under, that we do live under, and, and I've mentioned this before in Hale versus Hinkle, which describes it so well. It's not law, but it is a good Supreme Court case that lays it out. He owes no duty to the public so long as he does not trespass upon their rights. Okay? Hey, the state, the state right does not have the duty to protect the people, but their rights first and foremost. Yeah, you're talking a constitutional bill of rights issue, which which is um, totally valid. I agree with it, but a driver's license is an administrative state issue where where I choose to, I'll just say lower my status, if you will, from from that of the people to a person, uh, in return for protection, and we all do it. Let's not lie to ourselves. Let's be honest. We all do it. Okay. Okay. Again, again, I think you didn't hear what Sonia was saying. And this is a difficult one to get, okay? But the difference is, and when you go look at the, the again, it's a, merely a description. In the fifth, where it says the right of the people to be secure in their persons, plural. Now, this is so powerful and so important. It's hard to get your head wrapped around it's because you I agree with you. I'm, I'm, I, I created a driver. I created a character. I created uh, an action. I, I gave information, notice about an action that I will be doing. I did that, and I want no. that to cure. No. That, no. That's how it works. Yeah. So, in other words, you can never be a person. You're always going to be a people, but you may have persons just like you have an effect and you still have the right to be secure in that person. Yeah, it's an action. Unlawful abuse from misrepresentation, misapplication of the law. If you're not engaged in the activity which is being regulated, then you're not engaged in the activity which is being regulated. As I said, without ever reading the motor vehicle without ever reading the motor vehicle code, you can clearly see it does not regulate picking your nose Brushing your teeth, tapping your foot, or sneezing. It does not regulate those things. 
Never said it. So didn't. why do you keep never get why do you keep under it for the doing those things? You know, uh, it's what do what do we think the driver's license is for? If it's just so I can willy nilly say, well, now I'm driving, now I'm not. No, now I am, now I'm not. Why don't we make up our mind and say, nope, I'm not a driver, therefore I don't need a license. That's do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know? I'm going to answer your question. Do you know why I don't need to make up my mind? Because as it pleases me, not the state. I'm not here to please the state. The well, state is here to please me. Why don't you please yourself on the side of freedom, which is not to beg for a license in the first place? I didn't go begging for a license in the first place. So don't put words in my mouth or, or attempt to say that you know me. Money, you gave all this information so your background can be checked. I mean, that was that's pretty much begging. Please, please, please. You know, we all did it, Paul, and I'm not just saying you, so obviously. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if it works for you and you're successful at it and you never get towed, then please share that with other people and I'll definitely get out of the way. I'd much rather people learn that which is simpler and easier uh, to do. Like I said, as far as I'm concerned, I shared what something that seems but to be working. We've still not... Vented it out, which is where you send back all the all caps name with the all uppercase name with the last name first, which is to send it back and write on it. No such person resides at this address. I've made the same lecture on that aspect of things as well. Where I disagree with you, though, is when you went and got a driver's license, just like if I was to get a concealed weapons license. I don't think I need a license to get a concealed weapon, but, you know, we go along with certain norms or certain things because we're good people. The fact, the fact oh, no, of the matter no, no, no. is that, it, that doing so does, should not harm me. I cannot beg and plead anyone to harm me, okay? That actually is unlawful. And for them to miss misapply law when I'm not engaged in an activity that's being regulated, for them to misapply that and when they get paid, when consistently over and over again, they know what they're doing, it's against your objection, and it's for their benefit. Now we have the elements necessary to prove a case. We have intent. We have it's at the demise of me. I've already objected. I've said I'm not happy. So my happiness is important, and I've clearly indicated I'm not happy with what has been going on here, and I clearly don't feel safe and secure, and yet they continue to do it anyway. Therefore, I have been injured. Why they continue to do it? Because you asked them to. Asking to you know what I got to go, Sonia. This is this is not worth it. Anyway, keep keep going. When you have this, when you have a solution that works for everybody, please put it out, and I will support it. I'll publish it. I'll even uh, share it with everybody else. At the same time, I'm still going to say that I don't believe that anything that I do should limit me to being a, a to be oppressed or to be a, a regulated if I'm not engaged in some sort of activity that is regulatable by the state. It's that simple to me. Okay? Have a good night. Before you go, Colin. Has he gone? Uh, He ran out of there pretty quick. Uh, It's too bad. Uh, I hope he's listening. Or or for the rest of you anyway. Uh, Because Colin was talking. This is a good one. Colin's is quicker and easier to remember, but this will help you get it in your head if you are in the situation of the uh, contempt And I'll just read what this guy said. You can only hold me in criminal contempt for long enough to correct my contemption. 
my, my contemptuous behavior. So I'm going to apologize right now, thereby purging my contempt. That statute isn't that correct. And that's a guy that you guys should all go listen to uh, on, uh, on Data's Call no, uh, no Contest. Tana Tachu, Tana Tachu um, 5961, I believe is the number. Hang on, I'll make sure. Yeah, 5961, no confidence. It's uh, two or three shows back. 5961. Kirk Reagan is the guy's name. Who is that? The other thing was talking about is the attitude about this whole thing. You listen to Kirk and what he's been through and the, the wins he's getting, um, it will really help you in your overall... Is that, that ADOG? Pardon? Is that ADOG? Yeah. That sounds like ADOG. Right. Yeah, I just call in to back up my uh, my friend, uh, Base One One Eleven. there. I was just discussing with him by uh, text message. I, uh, I kind of uh, appreciate Colin. I think it's hard for people to admit that they are that they are in a system created because they asked for it. It's hard for a man to admit without conviction first to repent. Instead, you want to stay in the system, well, you know, full of pride, and argue instead of repenting. And turning away from that monster, the false image, the false god that we give power to. Well said. Yeah, I see your point too, Roddy. <clears throat> I, I, I wish and if I Colin, I wish Colin wasn't so hard-headed and stay on and discuss it. I think he would see it. Yeah, I, I, you know, to be honest with you, well, for me. I see all your points. I see your point that you just mentioned, Roddy, and I see your point, Aaron, that if we could all, you know, just travel, do one thing or the other, but as we know, that is very difficult for for men and women to do at this time because can they afford to have their vehicle or their automobile towed away? You know, there's a lot of reasons why people just can't uh, give it all up at this moment. I, see, I don't know how. Uh, just I hate, one, one more thing. I just I I see Colin's point too, because if he's working with the statutes and the acts and the administrative law, and there is nothing in there that says anything about speeding. Let me let me talk, let me let me tell you something. I agree. Let me tell you something that's powerful. Sure. Have you heard Kurt Collenbach talk about David versus Goliath? Um, I've heard Kirk. Uh, well, see, I'm not this, sure. is, this system is a giant, and lo- lawyers or anybody in that system can lie. Yeah, they are they're go liars, go liars. Oh yeah. And if you know, if you are under or in the system of the tombstone, there's a body under that tombstone, and you cannot be in that system. Unless you lie or reside with that system, 
Yeah. If you want to be in the system or if you want to argue, that's self-evident that you are one of them. Now, if Aaron wants to back me up on this, when you bear arms, you're bearing your paw. We have paw bearers to carry out the will of the body at rest. You can do it yourself or others can do it for you. But when the first thing an officer sees is that big stamp on the back of that car, that's sign number one. You're bearing your arms, number one. Number two, when they say your driver's license, what's the first thing you show them? You bear arms, number two. You have just admitted that you are one of them, and they have to administrate to you to make sure you don't harm the Creator. That's the system the Creator set up. Exactly. We are just not acting as the Creator. Like Roddy just said, we are showing um, just right up front, first two things, three things, the first words out of our mouth is, hey, I'm under you, I'm administrable by you, what next, please? Tow my car, please. Take me to jail, please. Find me, because I... Sonia. Sonia, being a woman who knows the scriptures, you know when the the sheep herder will leave the flock, the 99, to find the one? Yep, yep. Well, in this case, the people, or the head of the state has disappeared for a little bit for some reason. Maybe they're playing sheep for a while. So these other sheep, they will make sure that one out of the hundred stays in line so that when the head comes back, he doesn't beat the hell out of all of them for letting that other one get out of line. Yep. So keep an order. Like like when we was growing up in the old days, you know, if you're if your brother or sister did something wrong, you'd get your ass whipped too. Yeah. <laughs> and mama say, don't make me tell your daddy. Mm-hmm. That's what these cops are doing. That's what this system is doing. Don't make me tell the head when he comes back. Mm-hmm. Well, what if you're the head and you just didn't know it? Yeah. Good point. You are the head of state. These people have taken and undertaken. And when we sign on the bottom of something, we're saying, okay, we're subject to you. Anywho, we, we should do a call one day. We'll, we'll have to spill the beans there. You know, on that on that note, Roddy, before you get off that, um, way back when in the day, and probably should have kept doing it, we were doing a thing called a non-statutory abatement. And you put your name at the top of that. Yep. Every piece of paper and every document I see, there's always a header, a head, you know, hello. And then there's a body, and then there's an undertaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the way we should be signing things. Oh, just, no. just, just my opinion, you know, or... Her name should be on the head, you know. We shouldn't sign anything. But if we do, we should sign nature, signature, the sign. We should give a sign of our nature 
in the proper way, which we haven't done our whole life, <laughs> you know, like Roddy said. And now I believe that we can discuss this another time because I'm trying to be quiet and rocking my baby to sleep. But I believe when this is when we are successful and we will be, that all this common law talk we're talking about, when 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 you don't have a title, when you when the state has no interest in it, and and some officer ignorantly robs you of it, oh my God, are you talking? Are you talking about a serious robbery claim there? I, I, I see a robbery. That's a bond. That's a bond claim up the yin yang for, for the officer and the department and the state. But right, right now, all they got to do is go look that you granted them a part of, you know, partial interest in it. Mm-hmm. And they're just securing their interest. That's right. They're protecting what you asked them to protect. That's it. Mm-hmm. You remember? Uh, I think Aaron remember this. I mentioned this today to some friends. You know how I told you about Pentecost, how everybody recognizes the same, you know, their own language? Yeah. You know, it was it was a different people with different languages, but they recognized the one thing. Yeah. And we kept talking about the seals or certain seals and stamps here. Yeah. Well, Pentecost means 50, doesn't it? Means what again? Pentecost means 50. Penta, meaning five, cost, I don't know, but something Pentecost, like wasn't it 50? Well, let me give you an example. This may be just a coincidence. But when every state, uh, every territory we call a state, recognizes a document from one point to another, what are those men in uniform called? The enforcers of these contracts. It, it's a street slang. You might have seen it in Hawaii. Five oh. Five oh five oh. So there is there is a reckon there is a recognized thing from every state. Every language recognizes it. We just haven't accessed it properly. Um, whoever was talking a few minutes ago, I don't know who it was. It wasn't you, Aaron, and it wasn't you, Roddy. But Idioti. Idiochi, um, I just didn't get all the information wrote down here. I was going to put it in the chat board. About oh, yes. This, this talk on. show, 5961. 615. 59615. Five. No confidence is the name of the show. No confidence? Yeah. That's uh, Dave. It goes by Data. He put Dave. up. Dave Merlin. Yeah. He put up, he has an interview a couple shows back with uh, Kurt Riggin. I think it's Riggin. It might be Riggin's. I'm not sure whether it has an S or not. It's about an hour and 40-some minutes. Okay. And everyone should listen to it. Okay, I'm going to put that in the board. And Aaron, you still on the call? Aaron Levis. Doesn't say he hung up, but I don't hear him. Face one. Yeah, I'm here. I was wanting to throw a proposition out to you. <laughs> Let me hear some it. Of, some, some of this stuff Collins talks about, he always looking for the record. He, he's looking for the record, but he doesn't understand this is the record. <laughs> You're doing it. You're seeing it. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I'm not going to tell what you told me, but, you know, I mean, I'm doing some stuff that is showing to be true. You're doing it, you know, showing to be true. But I don't know if you would be, if Sonia will accept it, would you want to do a a call? Oh, yeah, I've been wanting to do a call with you, you too, and whoever else that you have. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in what you are, are learning together and, and, and what you've been teaching me. Yeah, I would love to do a call. Well, I just want Aaron to build up some uh, some patience because uh, we can both jibba jabba these truths that are self evident, you know, for hours. Yeah, yeah. Any any night, like we can either record it or not record it, or we can record it and I can take it take it down and and I can hand it over to the ones that are in the call if you don't want it to be public. Public like we did before, uh, we can do well, all sorts of things. Well, we almost got Colin doing it a few weeks ago, but then you told he got sidetracked. Oh yeah, well, he's pretty busy, isn't he? Sonia, Sonia, that's Kurt, not Kirk. K U R T. K U R T. Oh, okay. Kurt Riggin. Riggin or Riggins? Yeah, well, I just put. K-U-R-T, Kurt. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure I've listened to him, I think, in some other shows that somebody's directed me to. Um, and if it is, I really enjoyed that guy. Oh, he's the, he's, the, uh, he's the first medical marijuana patient in the nation. Oh, really? Uh, helped write the law for uh, medical marijuana in Washington State. Uh Currently being harassed in Colorado. Oh, but, yeah. I don't. I couldn't. I can't do. You really need to listen. I can't do justice to the. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about it. Well, I'm definitely going to, and I'm interested in the medical marijuana because I'm interested in natural cures and preventative for disease, and, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'd really be interested in getting a chat yeah, with him sometime. I cured a little skin cancer with some. Uh, Hemp salve. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big thing. It's a big thing here. People, um, the children, children with the uh, with seizures. Yeah. To this state because because of that because they can get medication here. Oh, super! And what land are you on? Colorado. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm just. Not that far down the board, so I didn't couldn't tell. I'm yeah, just noticing. I'm just noticing Aaron didn't respond. Oh. <clears throat> um, about, about our call, maybe. Yeah. And the other yeah. thing, Sonia, tune in. Tune in, Rich, on uh, Tuesday. He's totally about the um, traveling in your automobile thing. Okay. You need a, you need two weeks of a vacation there, uh, Aaron. No, I don't. I don't need any vacation. I was just uh, oh, these past couple. To, yeah, these past we'll, couple were moving and stuff. Well, well we'll need to notice Sonia, and she will notice. She will notice. <laughs> she will notice. So there's no accident, you know. So we can all move easily. If you notice something, you won't have an accident. Yeah, well, we should put together, me and you will get together privately, and it kind of just, what do we want to talk about? Because it's huge, you know, they, the whole thing is huge. It could go once, five hours. Yeah, once you see it, uh, it's awesome. 
because you know I'm going to throw in the Bible. <laughs> you have to. That's, that's your... Be a surprise. Love it. Does it. Does the system today pretty much go on the techniques of the Bible? Uh, it follows it word for word. Word for word. It's been replicated, republiced. It's called the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Yep. It's all about the Word. Love it. It is written. Yep. I'm going to mute out for a second. Yeah, I'd, I'd uh, love to get together with you, Aaron, and any time. I know you and Roddy want to get together and and discuss what you want to talk about. But, yeah, I've been really anxious to... I've been thinking of you, and I know you've been really, really busy because I, I haven't been on Skype much, and I know you haven't been on this call very much. Thanks for coming. But yeah, I know you've been really, really busy, and you've got a life and family. And Aaron is more passionate about it than I am, but let me explain it from my point of view. If I'm the author of a book, and that book is beautiful, and you want to be a character in that book, but you say it's corrupt, wait a minute, I created it. Don't don't call my my creation corrupt. Mm-hmm. It's working beautifully. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, it, it reads well. If you don't want to be a character in the book, you know, just come back out and, you know, read it. Be the author, you know. Yeah, you can be your own author, which is what how the system is set up for us to to be, is to be the authors of our own lives. We've heard that before. Um, unfortunately, we've we've done that, but we've been signing on to someone else's book. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, come on, Sonia. If I come in your house and say, you know, this house is corrupt. You know, you invite me in. Mm-hmm. I agreed to come in. This house is corrupt. I don't like this. You need to change this. How long would it take you to say, get the F out? <laughs> yeah, immediately. If you're going to stay here, I'm going to administrate you and you're going to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I see what you are saying. And and I'm also seeing that uh, with with Colin, um, he, he was working the common law and he just couldn't get all the pieces like you know, through Carl, which many of us haven't. And I've been searching, you know, in other places also, back to Robert Menard, um, and just going over things and and searching, still searching for all those missing pieces. And with Colin, he found that doing it this way is working for him. Um, For some of us, like I know myself, um, it's a lot of work. A lot of studying, in, in, um, but I can see. I, 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 I do believe that we do need to know some of the statutes and the acts because if a cop comes to your door, you do need to know some laws and say, well, do you have a warrant? You know, um, and do you have a bond to go with the warrant? So we do need to know, you know, um, what they're bound by, right? So I see, I see Colin's view, and I and I see um, you guys, your view, and yeah, I'd really love to get onto a call with you. And I feel like I'm missing so much. I'm feeling left out. I've got a big pout in my face. The uh, <laughs> the only thing, the only thing, the officer. If we if we're talking about driving, cause that's most common. That's what we do all the time. And uh, the yeah. only thing that 
Master is bound by is the record. That's it. And the, the notice of a record is on the back of your car and in your wallet. And so that's what he does. It's when we when he sees the notice of that record, and we even hand him uh, more identification that says, yes, I made that record. He runs back to his computer and checks the record. That's all he does. And if you don't have any of that, they usually ask, all right, what's your name and what do you normally, you know, frequently visit, call an address, and they'll check a record, and that'll solve the problem. Yeah. Yeah, unless there was an actual crime committed. You know, if you mowed down a, an old man or something and the cops saw it or there was a report or there is a warrant, right? There, maybe there is a warrant because, um, you know, we, we don't want crazy folks running around society, right? So the, <clears throat> there there could also be a warrant. And, and also, by not having plates on the back of your car or holding a license, the honorable thing to do is to make your own description of your property and file it. Make your own record. Say, this is, this is my car. And if it is involved in any crime, any accident, I operate, I, I live under my own bond, and I will take uh, responsibility for, for any warrantable action, any report, or any, you know, anything that happens with this, with this, I will be responsible. You know, um, you know this when, when the aggrieved party, proper party, comes to a court and, and, you know, proves that something is wrong, how the system will, they'll back you up and they'll go on a war rant with you. Mm-hmm. I told that to somebody recently. If you're in a, if the corporate system, the corpses are bothering you, then why don't you notice the proper court, notice the public, and they'll go on a war rant with you. Mm-hmm. They'll come with pitchforks, knives, and everything, or let the attorney general do it, you know, humanely for them. Yeah. Or the representative of the people, the attorney general. Yep, they're going to go on a war rant, just like somebody runs up to you and says, oh, my God, they're bleeding all over, and this person over here is harming me. Okay, I'm going to go on a war rant with you. What's the emergency? Mm-hmm. You know, they tell you to use that. Some people, hey, what's the emergency, officer? That's you saying, hey, I'll go on a war rant with you. Yeah. Yeah. Rich adds one thing on his car. He, he puts a for sale sign. It's basically like you told this car you agreed to buy it at this price and pay me tomorrow. Otherwise, pay me so much a day until you do pay me or give me my car back. Yeah, I've, right. seen, I've seen that on in um, several videos. I, I've, been look, I've been checking out videos, you know, doing a, a lot of that as far as the, the traveling. Yeah, and um, thinking about uh, where, where, where to give notices to. And, and <laughs> That's a reverse. That's a reverse presumption that the officer is engaging in commerce when they take your car. Well, you agreed to buy it. That is, you guys... Guys, need to. Uh, I guess he's fairly new. He started uh, last October or something. He seemed old to me. I must must have got on early on. But um, we had a really good show this last Tuesday. He didn't record it because there was only a few of us on the call. 
But he, he goes on at, uh, I'll give you his show number if you want. He goes on uh, 7.30 California time, and if he doesn't get some people in like 10 minutes or so, he doesn't do a call. And who's that? That's Rich. He's got a website, section520.org, which is California. California uh, is he in Idaho? You, 520, you told me about him last week, didn't you? Hey, I've been doing your homework, Sonia. I checked him out. I just, is he in I, Idaho? I was no, checking. No, California. Yeah, I checked okay. 520. Yeah, I went back onto the call last week, and the link she gave me, and I wanted to thank you, and I was trying to remember, oh, who gave me that? Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I've been checking him out. His, his was, show number Tuesday night for you guys, 139-509. That's his show number. One, I, I can't stand I put this stuff up for you. One three nine five zero nine. Correct. There's one guy in Idaho I was listening to, but they promote this idea about UCC or having a commercial tag on your car. I just, I just don't get that one. That sounds like backing up to me. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? Well, there is some clause in the commercial never expiring tag, but it's for private use. I mean, there's some truth to it, but it's kind of a it's easier just to not get involved, you know. Yeah. Uh, with this, with Rick, is that call at 7.30, did you say? 7.30 California time. Mm, I'll have to figure that out. Well, what, are you the same as, uh, what time is it where you are? 11 o'clock. Okay, so it would be you are... Three hours later. So it would be 10 o'clock your time. 10, 10 o'clock my time? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it might be 10.30. You got you to gotta check in a couple of times because, like I say, if he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't get a pe- enough people. And last week, you know, he was about to, because there's only a couple of us, and I said, well, I want to ask you one thing, and we ended up doing a whole show, but he didn't record it. Oh, well, I'll be there. I'll write it down and stick it right on my computer, right in my face, so I won't uh, forget. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah. I want to learn about this stuff. I I was able to give him one thing, and we'll see... uh, um, what he's done with it over the week, but I don't know how many y'all are familiar with, and I don't know how it applies in Canada, but or on Canada, but there's such a thing here as a state citizen, which is overcomes the presumption of the U.S. citizen. And he was interested in that. He kind of acts that way anyway. And there's a thing called the Declaration of Domicile, to give notice that that's who you are. You're one of the people as opposed to a U.S. citizen. And your domicile does not have to be a building or a street address or where you are or anything else. It it basically is um, where you'd like to be and intend to go to someday or anything like that. And, in fact, uh, 
for me, it would probably be St. Lucia. So he says, oh, you mean his domicile could be California? And I said, sure. Doesn't have to be, uh, you know, mm-hmm. house or address or location, you know, a particular location. So, like I say, I don't know how that would help you on Canada, but you must have something. You know, we're all in America, right? We're on America. Yeah. If we were in Tierra del Fuego, you'd still be an American, right? Yeah, well, here, that's the thing we, we don't want to be giving out uh, to these uh, peace officers is our address. You know, um, we say we're temporarily um, here or there. Uh, even, you know, we don't want to give it out either. We don't want to be using postal codes or zip codes or whatever ours is called, a postal code. And, you know, we want to get out of that too here, you know, so we're not... That's, that's like Collins is saying, you know, he says stuff to people on the street, and uh, you know, I try and do the same thing with my friends, and the, the hold up your driver's license thing, and the other one is like, where do you live? And pardon me, do I look like I'm dead? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cute. Yeah, it's so hard in in this world when when words can can cause problems. You know, it's it's terrible. Uh, it'll be ni- nice when uh, our creator does something about this earth, and we all we all become one language or something. You know, but this is this is this is terrible having to live like this, isn't it? You know, but anyway, it's nice to have friends and. And uh, that we've got these groups and these these calls and stuff, you know, because when you think about it, if we had to, to, you know, pay to learn law, you know, if if we didn't have each other here in these Skype calls and these talk shows and we wanted to learn, you know, some sort of law, it it costs us a fortune. You know, we'd have to go into debt. We're getting all this education for free. You know, we're helping each other and encouraging each other and building each other up and it's it's a wonderful blessing you know that that we have each other here so i'm very thankful you know i really appreciate it and and i appreciate everybody coming to this call because you know for a while there I, i was getting a little bit discouraged because i'm not a real good speaker and and um i'm learning you know as we go and i'm not confident you know, in a lot of things. So, um, for for others to come on to the call and and speak and keep it going has been a blessing. You know, for for everyone. And um, I don't know. Uh, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk shows, isn't there? Like, I mean, there's I don't know how many there is. And you know, there's Angela's, and I don't even know. I don't. I guess Carl's not back on, eh? Hasn't been in a while. Mm-hmm. And now, and Mike's uh, Monday night call. Um, apparently, it's set on automatic because he's not. He doesn't show up. But it's a good place uh, just to drop in. So Mike's trying to get back up and running, is he? No, his, his, well, 
like I say, it must be automated or something because there is a call. And there's plenty of people on it. Um, he he's he hasn't been there, and apparently there's nobody on the board because sometimes it gets a little rowdy and there doesn't seem to be anybody to mute anybody out. But oh yeah, it's a good place to stop in also. Mm-hmm. Well, if uh, no one's got anything else important, uh, Roddy and Aaron, if you please let me know when you when I can get together and you can share all your secrets with me. I'd love that. And uh, and any others that you you think you know, might get the sense of it, I'd love that. Um, and I thank everybody for coming. If no one's got anything else, maybe we'll pack it in. Four or five hours is a long show and, and uh, too long sometimes for people to sit down and listen Sorry. to Sorry, I got uh, a fussy... I got a fussy baby, so I couldn't talk there for a little bit. Oh, that's okay. That's all right. Now, I was gonna, I was gonna say, if, if everybody listening and everybody who contributes would search their hearts and realize that a lot of these stuff and people and gurus, just it, it's helpful. It's helps coming to a point, but it just isn't working. Yeah. And if we if we could realize this, I think we could finally repent and come up, you know, we can be in the thing, but not of it. I hear you, Ronnie. C- conviction first, and then repentance. Yeah. But we, we, got, we got to admit that we gave power to the beast that we are complaining about. We fed the beast. And we continue to feed it. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Anybody there? Yeah. If, uh, how did we, uh, how did I, I guess, volunteer to uh, to pay uh, taxes on my property, my home? How did you uh, volunteer? Yes. Are, are you buying it? Uh, is, is the bank involved? No. You paid cash for it? Well, How's it to, recorded? We'll listen to um, an old Angela show with, I can't think of his name, guy out of Florida. Go we'll, we'll find out if you, no, there are doing business out of that house, basically, is what it comes down to. No, it's more like this. Did, did you pay cash for the house? I mean, is it free and clear? Uh, it it has been paid off. I did not originally pay cash for it. Okay, but uh, so let's say before when you were paying, um, there there was a lien on the house, correct? On the property. Yes. Okay, and uh, whoever whomever you were paying um, for that property um, used the state's benefit. Of, require, uh, of requiring that the house be titled because there's a lien on it, because they, you know, it all comes down to trust. Is this guy going to pay us or not? Because if he doesn't, we want the state to protect us when we come in to take it, right? It's all business. It's all crap. But that's what gets the ball rolling. And so then the the, the property, in order to 
to provide that protection, the state provide that protection to whoever, whoever the lender is that you're paying, the, the state requires that the house be titled. And it's always titled as a residence. If you go look up residence and all these property codes and stuff, yes, it, it all boils down to being commercial and and all this stuff because that's what the state is designed to protect is commercial activities. When I say protect, I mean uh, like administer, oversee, all that stuff. So, sure. Hey, Aaron. Hey, hey, Aaron. Yeah. I was looking at some of the original colonies and the territories and stuff, and when something when you have a right to use something that's yours outright, if you will, it's called mm-hmm. settled. Yeah. You're a settler. Yeah. Say that word again. Called what? Well, when you talk when you talk about common law, look at what your forefathers did. We have failed to replicate or republish republic what was done before. Uh, it's still considered unsettled. You've got to be a settler. You've got to settle the matter. Yeah, to to finance, actually, if you look up the definition of finance, it means to settle. Now, obviously, we're talking about third parties and you know, other other actors getting involved in order to settle a matter, uh, and that's where all these codes and laws and statutes come in. But uh, to finance something actually means to settle it over time which is very interesting. They're waiting for, once it's paid off, the the state, the office, is waiting for the, the outright owner to come in and settle that matter. That means clear the record. Okay, take take your property, uh, surrender the title that, that, you, that you granted, which is called a residence, like, that is a taxable residence. Um, surrender that title and... Um, Sorry, the wife's making a bunch of noise. Yeah, when something's unsettled, it it doesn't really have standing, and it's still kind of moving around in the commerce world. There's still a lien on it, yeah. There's still a record of it. And so that's what can be taxed, uh, property tax. And there's no law, and there's no no, uh, big war machine that's going to come to your property and kill you if you take your settled property off of the corporate tax roll. That's not how it works. They don't care. It's not a big deal. They're just waiting for us to come finish what we started. How would uh, somebody do that? Uh, go, well, make make sure that you are paid off and get a get a letter a letter of what is it called a letter of uh, settlement from whoever, whomever the lender is. Um, it's not letter of settlement. It's like. Uh, completion of payment, whatever it is, finalization, termination. Right. Get that letter. Then you go down to the county, wherever your property is located, to the county assessors and say that you would like to remove your property from the taxable records. And they're going to say, well, hold on, there's a lien on it. Well, okay, who's got the lien? Well, this lender over here. All right, well, I want to clear this lien. They better prove it or clear it. You know, and uh, yeah, and you're doing you're doing the uh, I think aftermath of what people do in the beginning. If you want to see if you can make a claim for a, a, a stake a claim, you'll do like a search and see who has interest in it. And if no one has interest in it, then you can, you know, you can uh, you can add your your name to it. But at the end of the matter, yeah. people aren't doing the same. You know, yeah. making sure nobody. 
once you take your property off there or or, at, or direct the office, the county assessor's office, or uh, I think that's who it is, uh, to take the, the leaned property off of there, the property they have on record that is taxable, it's the right. next possible thing to do is to create your own record, a description of your property, a claim of your property from here, this point to this point to that point to that point, a red house, you know, blue trees and roses all around it. And then you record that in the property records. That's your that's your record, your description. I believe it's I believe it's valid. Uh, Howard Griswold told me something that I think is true: <clears throat> that when you record it properly, and you attach yourself to something, use the words "I absolutely accept it," because you're the only one that can you know has an interest in it. Yeah, I absolutely what say again, Roddy. I absolutely accept this because in many cases, in every case that you see or every discrepancy, no one's claiming anything. There's too many people that can administrate it. They can adopt it. They can use it as theirs until the rightful owner comes forth. Yeah, they're waiting for, for the honorable man to show up and the honorable man of course pays all his debts and, and gets everything cleared up and settles things and it's not hard to do we know that uh, we do it all the time actually in our in our regular life um, but uh, they're waiting for him to show up and claim his own property and by claim I don't mean the Carl Lentz sense of you know I claim this and that I mean just say this is mine this is paid this is clear I no longer uh, need the state services or benefits on this and uh and uh if there's any other interest out there i require or I, I i want to know who's got an interest i want to go talk to them and find out if their interest is valid or not maybe you know maybe someone does have an interest you never know because look at the system that man created when you find an area that you don't know who who claims it or whose it is you do a title search you maybe measure it off and then you record it say well no one else is uh no one else has ownership of it or claims to use it so uh i'm going to you know that's your claim whatever you state whatever you record measure off properly now mm -hmm. you are the the one who accepts that mm -hmm. now the office the the, the county office is going to say this well look dude uh, there's still services coming out to your place. There's, uh, you know, whatever, uh, electricity and water and blah, 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 garbage and all this stuff and uh, police and fire and all this stuff. Now, when you take, when you, when, when you, when we release our interest that, that you gave us, all those services are going to, uh, let's say, stop. And you're going to say, okay, right. no worries. I'm a man. I handle my own business. I'll call up, uh, you know, 24-hour garbage guy, and I'll set up my own account. And, um, you know, you just do that all yourself, which is not a problem. Okay. But. Can I mention something, gentlemen? Um, I was reading about that also, and uh, I did come across a seven-part series. Uh, of the Bo and Rocco show, and it's called Remove Your Property from the Tax Roll, and uh, I put that link up. Now, um, whoever is...
just asking the question. Um, you're probably just on the phone, are you? Yes. Oh, so you can't see the link. That's right. Okay. Um, well, I'm just... I, I've actually uh, I've actually listened to that Bo and Rocco thing, and that was the uh, I think they call him Orlando Steve. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You did get so it. I, I know of him, and I actually actually have his his number. I can call him and talk to him about. It. But, uh, oh, oh, good. That's Colin disguising his voice. Come on, Colin. <laughs> well, um, this Steve guy, I'd like to know his last name because I wanted to kind of follow him around a little bit, but I couldn't find him. Yeah, I don't. Uh, if he had mentioned his last name, I don't remember it. Orlando, Steve, he's on, uh, go on, um, um, he was on, uh, he also had some shows on my private audio and talk to you. Yeah, yeah, that's where he is. Oh, he was on Angela's, maybe that's where I got the link from then. Okay, Angela, I'll write that down. Thank you. Like, like last summer or last fall? Yeah, he doesn't do things very often. Oh, that's, that's where he says. That's where he says. Uh, you know, they're saying list the location of the business on the assessment. The sit to he calls yeah. it. He says, "Wait a minute, right. I just sleep there. I don't. I don't do any business out of that place." And yeah. they said, "Oh, okay." And they took him off the tax roll. Same thing these guys are saying here. Yep. Yep. Just got to yes, send them some notices. Just got to send them some notices. And I remember oh. from this Bo and Rocky show, they said, uh, go to the, the man that the man or the woman that does the assessing and take your assessment. And they never sign it. And he said, take your assessment to the man or woman that's the assessor and ask them to sign your form. Right. And and they don't want to do that, I guess. They they can't do that. They, they they would never do that. But they the the office the office that they occupy will stamp it. That's what the stamp is. That's the state signature or the county signature. And I, I don't want another man to sign any one of my forms. I want that state stamp stamp on there. That's the authority. Yeah. Yeah. Hey guys. I was doing a play on words. I don't, I, can't, I don't have the wherewithal to research it, but I was noticing how words they changed, but they sound similar. I was yeah. wondering if if it makes sense to y'all that if you're a city and you're a citizen of the city, doesn't that sound like seat? Your city. Yes, you're you're seated with the city. Mm-hmm. Your not seat, standing. you're not standing. What? Your little, your little shit, if you will. Mm-hmm. You like playing with words, don't you, Roddy? You really? Well, I, really I don't think I, I don't think I do. I think I think the corporate system that has adopted the people's system, yeah, that gives it power. I think what we're doing is we're too busy seeing the corporate charters version and thinking it applies to us instead of going to the people's version 
Yeah. Because if you give it to the corporation, as long as they abide by the the governing body, they can make any code, any word look the way they want it to. Well, they, they like to let you read into it. You do it to yourself and most of the time. Exactly. Yeah, we we that's what I mean by we feed that system ignorantly. You know, I, I go in and sign a bunch of crap of words that I don't know what they mean and uh and I feed it. I give it power to act against me, usually. It's in the name of protecting me, but I'm the only violator, you know, I'm the only one that can can violate whatever I just signed. And so we always end up, uh, you know. Well, I was around. looking. I was looking at the point of the dollar sign with the line through it and the the cent sign. You know, you you make sense of the the thing. Well, if you take city C I T and just change it to S I T, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, I think it makes total sense. It make, it makes a lot of sense that that's where you sit or reside under the terms of the state or whatever the state says, hey, do you want to sit here? And you say, sure. And they say, well, hold on. There's a bunch of rules you got to follow. And you say, okay. And then yeah. you lose their standing. I'm going to give you a bunch of corporate value, and you're going to take what you think, and you're going to give me, you know, you're going to make sense out of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very good. <laughs> Here's a nice little quote. I'll have to... Find out who where it's from, so they get their proper credit. But the beginning of wisdom is calling things by their right names. There we go. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh well, my God! She think about it real quick, buddy. These all the codes and statutes of corporate, the corporate statutes, the corporate side of the state or province you live in, the corporate city, the corporate county. It's all designed for my protection and your protection. Here's how. So, for example, let's say Sonia has a has a ten thousand dollar car that she's paid off, and uh, it's in good condition and it's for sale. And I say, Hey, Sonia, I want to buy your car, but I don't have ten grand up front, and but I can make you payments, you know, two hundred bucks a week or something. And and she's either going to have to trust the heck out of me to pay her. Or she's going to want some protection. And I mean, uh, let's say she says, okay, you can pay me 200 and I go out of the driveway and I get in an accident, total the car, and I tell her to F off. Right? She's got no protection there. Her, her car's gone and the, the payment I promised her, is, she's probably not going to get it. So the state says, hey, look, Sonia, if you're going to, if you're going to have some property and you want to sell it, how about you? Uh, you hand it over to us. You hand it over to us first. You hand over an interest of protection to us first. So she goes and gets it li- uh, licensed and registered. She's getting a bond, basically. And then she then yep. she then she offers it for sale. And basically, what that does is says, okay, if you want to buy it here, you have to sign transfer title. And, and what that means is now she's protected for the value of the car and the agreements of the bill of sale and all that. And it's uh, offered by the state. And that's how most actual uh, car deals and house deals are, are done these days is we all buy it on credit and we finance it and we run around like we own it when really 
someone else, the, the value is owned by someone else. And so that's where the state came in and said, you, you, okay, car dealerships or home realtor people, if you're going to be you know, selling this stuff to people who can't pay, you, you need some protection. Cause these, what are these, those? These rules will just leave you high and dry. What are those things called? You see them on TV. If you get a judgment or a settlement, they'll pay you cash money and then they'll worry about the rest of it. I've seen that, yeah. Well, it's the same thing. Carl mentioned it. Is if she wants to sell her car for $10,000 and I promise to pay her or whatnot, she can go get a bond for it. She gets her $10,000 and now the bondsman can come get my ass if I don't pay it. Yeah, there, there, there are different ways to do that also, to protect yourself, and the, the state offers those ways. We're, we are just using them improperly. We're, we're continuing to ask for this service of titling, registration, protection when we don't actually need it. And then we, we get busted for it, and then we start complaining about corruption and stuff. I remember watching a video, and I lost it, um, with uh, automobiles, uh, apparently you can trace back, say you bought a Ford, you can go back to the Ford company and they actually have some sort of cert- uh, cer- um, certificate. And I can't remember all the information that was on it, but... you think of the MSO? That sounds like it, Roddy. Mm-hmm. What's that called? Manufacturer's Statement of Origin. Thank you. That's just for the duties, impost, and tariffs. It's not for us. So we don't need to get that? Well, you can't get it unless you pay unless you pay whatever the price for the car is outright. And, and then you could use that information to go down to the county and record your property. That's, right? Yeah. That's what I was wondering whether. You but it's pr- it, it's primarily for the for the trade and imports to see who's liable for the tax or the responsible for the make sure it meets the standards for imports and stuff. It's not for the. I mean, once it's declared legally, you know, everything's proper oh. and up to standard. It's oh. a, it's up for grabs. Oh, so it's not necessary. You try and sell your car out of country or buy one from out of country. You're going to need that. Yeah, you you can use the information on it, but the certificate itself is not for you. Oh. But the information itself could be useful if you use it correctly. Oh. Now, if you use the common law terms, it's buyer beware. But uh, I was listening to a guy talk about the Volks, Volkswagen Beetles, how cheap they are in Mexico. But you can't get them over here because they don't meet our quality standards. There's no proper notice to the public that it would, you know, this is what you're going to deal with. You know, if if you're in a crash, the windshield may may not shatter properly, and you'll be cut all to hell. Right. So government's good in you know some aspects. In a lot of respects, actually, it's it's designed to protect you from me. If you get my meaning, you yeah. know it. Uh, Don't crash. It's, <laughs> Well, it's equal protection under the law, and all it is really is make sure you're properly noticed. Yeah. Notice is huge. Notice in the record. Yep. Now, for driving, I don't know anything about um, um, bonds, nothing. I don't know anything about bonds. Does anybody know anything about bonds? Like, how would you how would you go about 
getting a bond, um, say, for traveling in your automobile. You know, you want to get a bond. You want to have some sort of insurance. No, the insurance companies are great for that. And, but, yeah, but they won't insure you if you don't have a driver's license and you don't have your automobile registered and all that kind of stuff. That's you, right. you, can, you can get insurance without a driver's license. Well, you get you can get personal insurance, but not vehicle insurance, unless your car is titled as a vehicle. If it is, like Sonia said, then you probably have to have a license too, and then they'll they'll insure the motor vehicle. Yeah. Uh, now I think I can go look at my papers right now. When I got insurance on mine, they just wanted to know what they were insuring, and that was it. So, but but, but are you, my are character. You, are you just traveling in an automobile? You're not registered. No, it's it's registered. I'm I'm working on the on that system, but it's, it's still under somebody else's. Oh. They signed it. They signed it up and and sold it to me, and I haven't uh, haven't went to release any. Settled it yet? Well, haven't the, settled it yet? Yeah. That's the position I'm in. I I bought a cheap vehicle. I bought a cheap automobile because I presumed it was going to be stolen. So I thought, well, I'll just get. A, I got a real good deal on a cheap one. Five hundred bucks runs nice. And uh, so I haven't changed, I haven't done anything. I haven't you know, notified anyone yet because I'm still trying to figure out all the steps. So that I'm in the same position you are, Ronnie. So I was just wondering, you know, trying to put all the steps together in my head and down on paper. So I was well, try- thinking, what do you... Absolutely, I would have reached on that. So I'll I'll leave, uh, uh, what I'll was that, EDOG? Go to Rich, section five. He's all about that. He's uh, that's a, that's his whole thing. Okay. Well, one of his, she's one of his main things, anyway. Okay. Rich is not. <clears throat> this sounds rude. It's not being rude, but Rich is on the phone, and since she has somebody here, actually that has discussed it before, I can direct her to Aaron. Go ahead, Aaron. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. It wasn't. It wasn't anything rude. It was just saying, since he's not here, Aaron told me something that was very plausible about the. Uh, would you say it's like doing a title search, seeing who has interest on it? Uh, for for what purpose? What are we talking about? Are we going about bonds or? Well, somebody sold. Her, she got a car from somebody else who had already put it in the system, but she's mm-hmm. got the evidence that she's got the evidence that she's, you know, paid the the amount. So it's somebody relinquished it to her, but whoever else has another interest in it may be still on the record. Uh, Sonia, so you have a bill of sale or a receipt, actually? Yes. Right? Yeah. And, and uh, did you sign Did you sign the transfer of title? No. They didn't want you to do that, the, mm. the seller? No, they just they signed it and handed it over to me. They signed it and handed it to you. It, uh, that's kind of weird. It shouldn't, shouldn't the title... You should sign the transfer part of it, and then you get to keep part of that title, and they get to keep the other part. And what they'll do is send send their interest back into the county or state, and say, uh, "This is no longer I'm in, in my name. I have no more interest in this vehicle. It now belongs to Sonia." Uh, hang on, let me clarify. Let me clarify, Aaron. I think, on I some, think they did that, Aaron. I on think some, they did on, that. They just, on some of these. They just. I was, I was on the <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. They just 
they just signed the part for for me. That I was wanting to see if Sonia had the same kind of system that we do here in the state, is where on the back of the title or registration form, it'll have a place for the seller to sign and who's the purchaser. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can put your odometer, so I think that's kind of a self-sufficient document. Yeah. It's, it's a bill of sale. Yeah, yeah, and so what evidence does the seller have that he that that he sold it? Well, I I think he kept a part of it. Okay, okay, exactly, exactly. Now, um, but you did not sign your part yet, right? No, no, I'm not going to. Okay, so what the state is waiting for is is a an answer from you. Are you going to title this or not? They they don't care either way. Yeah. But they do want to know. The record wants to know because if it's not on record, then it's what they call, you know, that unflagged uh, pirate vehicle running down the road, and you know, it's it's kind of up in the air. Yeah. If it's not posted, it's an imposter. Yeah. Exactly. So so the the uh, the office, the state, is just waiting for an answer from you um, yeah. because this this gentleman or whoever you bought it from hopefully has already sent in his release of interest. I transferred all the interest he had uh, over to Sonia. Right. And, uh, and so there, that, that file is still incomplete. Right. right? The, the file on that vehicle, it needs to be closed or settled or continued. Mm -hmm. It's waiting for your answer. So. Yeah. Um, well, and I'm, this is the way Rich does it, Sonia. You take that, you keep your, bill of sale or whatever so that you have that's your evidence that you paid for it and you are the owner you take all the state paperwork and the the certificate of title and the registration and any of that stuff and you give it back to the state yep yep and then make sure at the same time you also record your property with the state not as state property as your property, yeah. but at least so there's a record of it. It's not that uh, unflagged pirate ship going down the road. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The record will provide notice to all the, uh, let's say, law enforcement agencies and stuff of the status, <clears throat> the classification, the, the uh, you know, the, the what is the uh, capacity, I'm looking for the wrong word, of this car in front of them that's going down the road. There's this drunk guy. There's this drunk guy who does a talk show from uh, Effingham, Illinois. I forget his name. He was just on recently. Talk about common sense. But he is one of those people when you know he's one of those people who still believe he can hold court on the side of the road. Like when an officer says, "You got some form of ID." Well, I don't have to show it to you. And you, you. No, I tried to explain to him the common law system for you to bear the arms properly. Mm -hmm. You need to bear arms, not not a firearm, but you declare your status so they'll know who they're working with so they won't trespass upon you. Right. It's arms all about... There you arms. Go. Well, you're an officer of the law and I know the codes. No, 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 dude. That's not the way the system was set up. No. No. Bear, bear your armor. Bear your armor. And remember that the pen is mightier than the sword, and everything is on paper. It's all recognized on paper. We just have to make the correct record, and it's waiting there. It's just sitting there waiting for us to do that. And we, you remember, none of us do it. 
Did you hear Colin use the example about the giraffe and ostrich in the big truck? Yeah. Well, see, these commercial entities, they follow the system beautifully. They bear their arms, usually, on the side of a vehicle, declaring, it's already been declared what their purpose is. You know they're standing, and you say, okay, I noticed you. Mm -hmm. They bared their arms. You said, all right, I know what you're here for. You have a right to do that. It's a right of passage. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And, and, and you may or may not have noticed um, on a tow truck, for example, it'll be right there, usually right there on the driver door. There won't be any sort of company name or anything like that. It'll say not for hire. It, they're given notice right there. Yeah, certain certain cases you can do that, not for hire. Uh, before I forget, back to bonds real quick, Sonia. Woman of this land and the man, me and, and Roddy and the other gentleman on this call, our word is our bond, and that cannot be disputed, and it hasn't for, for ages. Our word is our bond, and we put our word down on paper, we put our word on a record, for all to know, and we live by our word, and that's our bond. So if you if you or I choose to live in this world without the benefit of the limited liability state, we honorably will, will record in the county we stay in um, and, and in the state, just give, give as much notice as you want, um, that we, we live by our own bond. If I cause any harm, damage, and it's valid and verified in a court of law, I promise to pay. Yeah. That's the bond. You remember how, you know how we use Elvis about the record all the time? Mm-hmm. I, I thought about this the other night. If somebody wants, you know, if it, the record shows Elvis, you know, everybody loves Elvis because he's on the record, and he gives notice that he's coming to a town, how they'll pay him hundreds of thousands of dollars to be there. But if he doesn't post it properly and just shows up unannounced, they'll charge him for the interruption. Mm-hmm. Or, or if you're in concert and you have a two-hour limit, you'll be charged for going over that. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing. It's, 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 it's the system is backwards. We're being noticed and we're being charged because we're not, you know, we're not on the record properly. And it's not made to all the public to see and enjoy our beautiful record. So that when we show up, we're trespassing. Yeah, it's, well, we, we are on the record, but it's the state's record, not yeah. our record, right? We we are not the author of that. We are just, uh, some people say, the surety. We're the, we're the one that agrees. Cause we, we are the only entity on this planet that has the power to agree, you know? I mean... And so we have to trust each other's word. I have to trust that signature. When when Sonia agrees with me, I have to either trust her or set up a system that can possibly pro- help protect me if she is a bad lady, which she is not, I know. But, are you, uh, <clears throat> Face One, are you willing to share some of the stories you told me about your uh, never expiring thing? Oh, I, I can talk about it. Nothing much has happened from it, but uh, it is still just kind of interesting. Um, well, if the call shuts us down, I, I, it's 1142. The 
sometimes it shuts shuts me down before the five hours are up. I just want yeah, it's about to. I just want to thank you all again. Go ahead, Aaron. Thanks everybody for coming. Well, it's just it, it's nothing big, but anyway, uh, I had a suspended license, and uh, I I wanted to surrender the license. Uh, I paid up all the fines. I settled that because I'm honorable. And then I wanted to surrender the license, but things came about where I can't surrender. So uh, I got to get another license. And a license is not a bad thing to have. I just have to condition it properly. Um, so anyways, I was going down the road, got pulled over, speeding. And a uh, cop walks up, and I'm in Texas, and he's like, gave a little chew spit and said, uh, license registration. And I said, uh, I'm not a licensed driver. And he's like, well you got like any other kind of ID or anything? You know, he's not pissed off about it. He, he's just making clear of the notice that he saw in the back of the car, that it is a motor vehicle and all motor vehicles are to be operated by a licensed operator. And so he, I said, I, well, I'm not a licensed driver. And he said, do you have any other ID? And I said, well, I got my passport. He, he's like, okay, took the passport back, came back, uh, you know, came back to my window. I was like, well, you do have a license. And I was like, no way, because I have never, I've never even applied or never paid the fee, never got my picture taken, never got my fingerprints done. He's like, yeah, you do have a license in the state of Texas. And I didn't want to mess with it, so I was like, okay, cool, just took the ticket. But uh, what it is is actually after I paid the fees on that suspended license up in Washington State, the record showed that I was now eligible to get a license either in Washington state or any other state. And so each state, I'm, I'm guessing, because Texas did it, each state then on that record puts a, a number that says is eligible for a driver's license. And that's the number the record uses that I'm eligible to get a license. And, uh, I'm just waiting to find out if they're going to charge me under uh, the eligibility status versus valid holder status. What about the never expire part? Oh, 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 yeah. That, that, that was the part. He said, uh, you do have a license, but uh, but there's no expiration date on it. And that's what makes sense now is that actually on the record, it's just showing that I'm eligible for a license and there's no expiration on a, on eligibility or right. the eligibility. Till I die, so. Right. Uh, but it's just kind of weird how, how that's unfolding, and. Um, that's interesting. You know. Cool. I can tell more when I. I they only hold a court around here once every four months, so. <laughs> so nothing. Nothing's really happening with that. Yeah. I, I I'm a little similar. I I tried to notice them. Um. Well, this thing is expired, and gave him definitions of expired. It's dead. It no longer exists, and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we went and talked to one of the guys down there, and he told us his father was dead, and he's still in the record. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't. Once you ever get a license, you can never not have it. You can't. Yeah, you can. It. I don't. I don't. Yeah, you can after after one year. That's what. That's basically what he told us. 
Well, you can you can surrender the license. Remember, I went down, uh, or we all go down and we apply, which basically means we ask for this privilege. We ask for this title called driver operator, and uh, and we are granted we are granted this title from the Almighty State that we we asked uh, to give it to us. And you know, you've watched the old movies, Kings and Queens, and stuff, and when when you're done with something you have to and you no longer want to fight no longer want to play you surrender and go look in your state or in your province look up surrender surrender it's license surrender or whatever and there'll be a form for it okay good can i just put on can i put on a devil's advocate half a little bit no let me do this i am looking at the protesters in chicago about trump I mean, if they're going to eradicate 80% of the population, please start there. <laughs> I just if there's a big, if there's a big Illuminati conspiracy, my God. Come on. I've got an outstanding seatbelt fine, and uh, I was a passenger or a guest. I was a guest, and this was before I knew too much about common law. I didn't even have uh, my driver's license or any identification on me. All they did was ask my name and my birth date, and they gave me a ticket. So at that time, when I was studying, I wrote back something like uh, no contract and something else, I don't know, and just sent it back to them. That's what I had learned at that time. Well, that obviously didn't work. Um, I kept getting bills in the mail, and it's gone to collection agency now. But I... I think I should try and get that straightened out somehow. You know, uh, Colin has a lot of great stuff in there, too, about using I am without any knowledge of any activity subject to the state. I mean, that's some good stuff there. Here's what they're going to say, though. It's Sonia, are you a licensed driver? Do you hold a license on record? Yes. That's called constructive notice. You should have known that when you get into a motor vehicle that you are responsible to buckle up your seatbelt so that the driver doesn't have to tell you to and all this crap. That's yeah. what they're going to say. And they're so uh, here's the fun. Well, maybe we'll have to start.